This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. Oh, welcome to another oh, sunny. The clouds have parted, the angels are singing, and Natalie is finishing off a bowl full of something and licking a spoon. It can only mean one thing. It's mid-noon mid, mid on Friday, and uh, it's a Friday Fan Club. Five-star Friday. Friday Five-Star Fan Club. Uh, Friday Five-Star Fan Club. And uh, my name is... Fick film. <laughs> I'm joined in the studio by special guest presenter this week, <laughs> Captain Nathaniel Metcar. Are you not joining in at any point? No, I was trying to work out where it was going. Oh, I was just, uh, just picking you up, mate. Thank you. Uh, that's right. Um, uh, did you see I went to Dartmoor? Well, you just went to Dorset. Dorset, that's where I went to Dorset. I can't remember where I knew it began with a D, and I do. Well, there's like Deptford in London. Sure. And where's the other one? Deptford? There's Deptford in London, and there's another <laughs> one in London. There's another one. I always used to get Deptford. And. Uh, uh, it wasn't Dagenham, but I always do my, I do my music producing down in Deptford. And um, when I go down, I say I do my music producing. I go down <laughs> and sit with my producer. A regular Quincy Jones. I'm a sort of like a backseat Quincy Jones, uh, where I don't know how any of the technology works, and I don't know what all of the uh, knobs and levers do, but mm. uh, I certainly know what I like to hear. And the dials go up and down, don't they? Their own volition. The, um, no, Sorry. I think there is some something that does make the dials move. Um, but what's the, so? Where's the, where are all the Natalie? Can you just look up all of the places in London that begin with a D, and then we'll go <laughs> Dulwich. There you go, Dulwich, Dulwich, and Deptford. And uh, those are the two. Um, you got Clapham and Clapton. I don't get them confused though. Weird. <laughs> I think it's because I used to live near Clapham, and I used to go to the gym. In Clapton, so I've kind of like got a visual representation of what you've got a system. I do have a system. Oh, it's really funny. Um, I went to uh, I went to fucking uh, Wookie Hole. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went to when I did the Wales Festival a few weeks ago. Oh, you're listening to Fan Club. First rule of Fan Club: tell your friends. Tell your friends about Fan Club. Second rule of Fan Club. Please. For the love of God, just for the love of Pete. And also, if if you've got some smack talk to give us, why not smack it up with a five star review? <laughs> up on, uh, not that I'll be reading them or enjoying them. I just think it's kind of pathetic that people think that uh, we care. Yeah, <laughs> we can. Put it up there if you want. We won't see it. We won't see it. Uh, or if we do see it, it's only because our producer makes us <laughs> look at it. But we don't. Anyway, there's a Wookie Hole. Five stars. I'd give five stars to Wookie Hole. Hole. Oh yes, it's got fucking dinosaur. We went. Took my parents. I've never been to Wookie Hole. I said, take my parents. They paid very much. So, but, uh, <laughs> so Wookie Hole is like caves. Uh, thanks, Natalie, for my tea. A series of caves, massive caves. Uh, there was a series of caves. It's great, but they, they, uh, it was uh, taken over by Jerry Cottle. Oh yeah, uh, the circus man the, of circus fame. Uh, and uh, so basically, it used to be a series of uh, caves where there's kind of like a, a, a legend around it. I think the legend, the witch, is it? The yeah, witch of Wookie Hole. I think the legend predates Jerry Cottle's involvement. 
Right. But there was some implication that he's really gone with it. Sure, he's a circus barker. So that's what you do, isn't you? If uh, that's his thing, he's got to yeah, have the yeah. patter to go. Yeah, and I really love it all. I mean, we've talked, we've talked two consecutive weeks about how much I love theme parks. Um, Wookie Owl isn't a theme park. They've is made it? it into a theme park. Oh, have they? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it was really <laughs> like, it's like this historic set of caves where there's a, 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 a fucking rock that looks like a. It doesn't look like a witch. <laughs> they go, that's the witch. And I was trying to imagine this little witch, and then I realised they meant this huge rock is the witch. I was like, well, that's not. That's not. But it did make me think they would make a really good film, The Legend of Wookie Hole. Um, Probably wouldn't be allowed to say Wookie though, because mm. of uh, Big George. Mm. And uh, all the words are weird spelling, though, isn't it? Um, yeah, maybe it's a different spelling, but I think it would be a good. Anyway, I think. Uh, anyway, I don't want to talk too much about it because uh, got my feelers out for the rights. <laughs> I would make it. I think it's really good. Um, I had a very clear vision of how it could be done. So if anyone listening uh, from Hollywood and they want to make a uh, movie about uh, the Wells Witch of Wookiee Wall, then uh, the cave is noted for the Witch of Wookiee Hole, a roughly human-shaped stalagmite it's not, that legend says is a witch turned to stone by a monk from Glastonbury. Uh, so he was off his tits, uh, <laughs> probably fresh from seeing Coldplay or Cooler Shaker, and uh, <laughs> he uh, turned a witch into a stalagmite. That's the that's the local BS story that they're giving it. Um, fun fun morning out it was. Uh, they've got all these animatronic dinosaurs and stuff like that. And I was just oh, sad. Yeah. And they've got like a life-size King Kong. Yes. And by life-size, I mean a life-size. It's the size of what King Kong would be. Yeah. Not like a normal gorilla. Has the dimensions of King Kong changed over the years? They've changed for the monster universe that they've set up with Godzilla. It's massive, massive now, right? It's really massive now, but that's because it had to fight Godzilla. It's going to fight Godzilla at some point. Right. But I think that the dimensions... So, like, um, originally it was like a really big gorilla. Mm. And then... It can hold a woman in its hand. Yeah, if a woman... Uh, a woman's uh, shoulders to ankles go across his palm with her little feet poking out poking the out bottom the and her head poking out the top. Sure, sure. Then you've got your dimensions. Mighty Joe Young uh, is like... It's quite small. Quite a small uh, gorilla in terms of that. Mm. Uh, the gorilla in Rampage just kept growing and growing. Right. Um, and um, uh, and now the Kong of Kong, uh, of, uh, Kong Skull Island, uh, he's huge because... He's part of the uh, monster universe. I heard uh, this might be one of those apocryphal stories. I'm sure it might not be true, but I heard once when they were translating uh, the computer game Donkey Kong mm. that then they were trying to translate it. It was kind of coming from Japan or whatever it was called in Japan, and they were going, "Yeah, it's called this," and they're like, "What is it?" And they go, "Right, okay, Donkey Kong," and they write it down, and it's out for months. And I think at some point the, the Japanese people come over and see it and go, "What's this? What's Donkey Kong?" And he's like, Donkey Kong, that's what you asked to be called, didn't you? And he said, no, it's meant to be Monkey Kong. And you go, well, that makes more sense. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> that's what I've heard. It sounds like it might be like a false story, but that's the way I heard it, that it was just meant to be. And you, when you look at it, you go, yeah, yeah Monkey Kong. Why would it be Donkey Kong? It's like, we can't call it King Kong, but maybe we could just like fill it a bit, call it Monkey, Monkey Kong. Monkey Kong. That's funny. That's weird, <laughs> yeah. Um... So what were we saying? Um, Sizes of fictional giant gorillas. 
Besides the fictional gorillas, um, uh, sorry, we just actually, while we're talking, being given genuine negative bad reviews in our uh, in our eyeline, eye I'm finding it very distracting. Um, <laughs> uh, just because I find it so laughable that anyone would bother to write in and think that they could stop the wheels of fan club from yeah. turning. Yeah, bring on your. You know what I reviews. say. Do you know what I say, what Nick? What are you saying? When we're when we're getting bad reviews, it just makes you think. Hmm, must be doing something right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean, Nick? Yes. Yes. Must be must be ruffling Some... someone's feathers. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, with our opinions on yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, I think he's good as well. well. And I like his music, not just his films. Don't give an F what you think. Yes. Yes. Put it to the man. Yes. Put it to the man. These guys with your little worlds, your small worlds, yeah. telling us about Telling what you us think. about my giant, giant DVD and Blu-ray collection. <laughs> Up yours. Yeah. Oh, have I upset you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something we've said. Oh, yeah. Deal with it, mate. Uh, Just deal with you it. You try and strike us down with your twos and threes. It'll only make us stronger and yes. uh, and by that weaker because we'll spend more time sitting on a sofa watching the same movies <laughs> over and over again. Why? Because they're comforting. Um, so, yes. And it's a dark world out there. Uh, so much better to draw the curtains so that light doesn't reflect off your big screen mm. and uh, uh, chill out with a nice um, except bottle. endorse it where you had no curtains so you couldn't endorse it and I had no curtains anyway my point is that we were in fucking Wookiee Hole and it's and it's a great place to visit really loved it we were in Wookiee Hole and uh, I saw a couple uh, that were with a baby and there was the wife and uh, the husband I'm assuming and uh, they could have just been partners they didn't have to be married but there was a wife and a husband uh, and um uh, a baby and he was holding the baby and the tour guide was talking us through it and she said these are the stalactites and these are the stalagmites and his face lit up and he turned around to his wife and he did the Harry Hill stalactites, stalagmites and she looked at him like what? <laughs> Put your hand down you wanker <laughs> like, like he, like she'd obviously never seen it, yeah. and I think I might have been the only person in that crowd that yeah. that knew the reference. Did you, did you give him a sort of a look, or did you? He didn't leave see it. He just was absolutely like crushed, yeah, and I just course. thought it was so because he's done this thing. He's holding a baby and going. At all. <laughs> yeah. committed now. He's looking at it going, God, well, we're stuck together. <laughs> this is it now. <laughs> it was so, he was so excited about it. He turned out, Static tights, sterling mites. And uh, yeah, she just looked at him like, What the fuck are you doing? You bloody burk. <laughs> um, that was that. I went to Dorset. Uh, so is Wookie Hole in Dorset? No, Wookie Hole's in Wells. So I did wow. the Wells oh, Festival course, yeah. a few weeks ago and then I had like, a morning. Um, uh, at a morning in Wells um, before a gig, so we went to um, uh, yeah, went to Wookie Hole. Why not? Went in Rome, uh, <laughs> get a plane over and uh, visit Wookie Hole. Yeah. That's recommend <laughs> it. Never mind. Doesn't matter where you are. Wookie <laughs> Hole. 
I'm into it. I quite like to get a Wookiee hole. You, you should fucking do it, mate. Uh, try and get on at the World Festival and then cancel your gig. But <laughs> while you're there, maybe um, maybe ticket sales might cancel my own gig. <laughs> They're playing right into my hands. Absolutely. Uh, you should you should book a place in all the towns with all the best amusements. Oh, bloody hell, I'm going to uh, going to do a gig in Alton. <laughs> <laughs> going to do a gig in Thorpe. Are these actual places? Don't know. I'm going to go to uh, going to do a gig in Chessington. Chessington Zoo. Going to do a gig in I keep forgetting what it's called. Centre Parks. Um. I'd love to go to Centre Parks. I've been thinking about it often recently. It's a holiday. The weather can't spoil. Um, no, but your partner can. <laughs> um, <laughs> but your uh, subsequent life cho- choices leading up to that moment can definitely ruin it. Um, but, um, so, um, uh, what was I going to say? So, yeah, I went to Dorset. Uh, I'll tell you this, right? I went to Dorset. Uh, it was my girlfriend's birthday. Uh, went to Dorset. And I can't remember why I started doing it. So we were staying in uh, a little place, beginning with C, outside of Dorset. It wasn't... It couldn't, couldn't be Chatham. But Charmouth? Oh, it wasn't that. It was like this... Maybe it was Charmouth. It was this really small place. It had two pubs, right? <laughs> had two pubs and I was staying there and uh, oh, um, uh, uh, and we, we were staying there we were staying in this bed and breakfast and um, uh, there was no uh, no curtains in this bed and breakfast so it was like a, it was a room uh, with a uh, uh, what they tend to do with bed and breakfast is, uh, with Airbnbs is they uh, they get a room and they convert it and they put like a platform up uh, and they make a mezzanine, and then you've got like a bed above, but it's yeah. sort of like they just split a room like in half the room in half, so we were staying up there, but they didn't put any curtains in, and it's like you go, come on mate, it's an airbnb exactly, but it's not an a airbnb and c is it uh so th- so there was a loophole uh <laughs> and there was also no um there was no breakfast, so I was like, well, this is just an airb. You know, I'm going to complain about it and say, it says Airbnb, but we didn't get any breakfast. And he's like, uh, yeah, but two out of three ain't bad. And I was like, what do you mean? You get air and bed? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. So you're not actually, okay, fine, two out of three ain't bad. Um, So we were in this um, Airbnb, uh, really not having any curtains. I think that curtains are a minimum. you, You know, you can't provide a bed and then no... Sure, I would. Escape. Be. I, I think it's. Um, I think that's hellish. Because people don't want to get up early, do they? They're on holiday. I was gently awoken by the dawn, but it's uh, mm. not really what you want. I'm knackered. My eyes been twitching all week. Was there much else in this village apart from <coughs> the pubs? There was a fossil museum. Oh, nice. And uh, then there was the there was uh, Lyme Regis that was just uh, a, a short seven or eight minute cab ride away. 
but in order to book a cab, <laughs> you'd have to phone it up like an hour in advance, and then it would take twenty. It would take, so we booked a ta- right. Okay, so I will tell you this: I started talking in a Scouse accent, right, um, in the day. Why? Uh, why? I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, but I got stuck in it, right? So I was going, "All right, how's it going? Not so bad. I got me because oh, I know because I, I, every time I put my sunglasses on, I go, I got me sunnies on, I got me shorts on. I'm having a laugh. I'm having a great time. Don't you worry." And so I started walking around and I started talking like this, right? And then um, we we came up with a name for him. So my name's Jerry. And then I realised <laughs> that Jerry is actually more outgoing than Nick, right? <laughs> and I was actually going up to these strangers that we would meet on the street, and I would just like say, "How's it going? You're all right? Yeah, that's right. Walking your dog, I see. Nice, lovely day. The weather's all right, isn't it?" And I realised that I was actually a much nicer person <laughs> when I wasn't being me. Not nicer, but more outgoing, right? And I thought, that's all right, actually. I don't mind, right? I don't mind this at all, right? So I'd be walking around and there'd be like someone in the street and I'd be like saying, all right, you know which pub is the best and stuff like that. And they'd like direct us. So I went into this pub and it was my turn at the bar and I was full of absolute cocksure pride, right? I could go, I went right in, I went right up to the bar and I said, do you know what? It's my, it's my girlfriend's birthday, and I think I would like a bloody great pint of cider, and she would like a gin and tonic, please. So I got my gin and tonic and my cider, and I said, oh, what crisps have you got? And they went through all the crisps that they had, and I was just like, well, I'll have a packet of that and a packet of that, right? And so we went over, we had a nice game of shithead, and uh, we just blew, I mean, it was her birthday, she was fucking loving every second of it. <laughs> and Jerry was enjoying it too, and by Jerry, I mean me. And Nick wasn't getting a fucking look in, right? So we're having a lovely old time. Then I had to... What did your girlfriend make of Jerry? She loved him. More than Nick? She loved him more than Nick. That's the thing. She says, does Nick have to come back? And I said, not if you don't want it, babe. Uh, I'm loving this new life that I've got. You know, I was... But you know what? I was genuinely outgoing. Right? I was genuinely just enjoying myself, right? And... Um, uh, and it was great, it was great. It wasn't just an holiday from from home, it was an holiday from me, <laughs> right? Um, and it was, I just fucking loved it. Anyway, so we had to get a taxi over to Lyme Regis. I still can't remember if it's Lyme Regis or Lyme I think Regis. it's Lyme, isn't it? I think it's Lyme, but it's spelled with a Y, I think. Wow. That's the way, that's the rule of thumb. It's, it's, uh, if it's a place, it's with a Y. If it's a fruit... With an eye. That's uh, that's how I remember it anyway. <laughs> so if it's a place, it's with a Y, and if it's a fruit, it's with an eye. We remember that from school, don't we? I remember that from school, from my school days, with my little shorts on and my knees, my grey's knees, hanging out at the bottom of my shorts, running home to mum. <laughs> it's bread on. It's bread on. <laughs> and we'd watch bread followed up by the live birds. It was a great, it was a great Thursday night lineup, actually. So, so there we were, uh, and we're in this pub, and we'd had a couple of rounds by this point. Had a couple of jars. Jerry was going nowhere, right? So I had my sunnies on. <laughs> I was enjoying it. I talked to the locals, talked to the bar staff. Great, right? Um, so then we ordered a taxi. 
Now the taxi firm is just one man that runs the taxi. So I phoned him up and he was it sounded, he was like uh, it, it didn't bode well because I said uh, hello I'd like to book a taxi now from this pub then we're in uh, to go to Lime Regis. And he said, okay, well, if the time is now, and I thought, that does not bode well. <laughs> he goes, if the time is now, quarter two, I will be with you at half past. It was like 45 minutes. All right, top banana. We'll order another couple of jars, get them down us, then we'll go into town. So he uh, ordered another couple of drinks, talked to some more locals. And then the taxi arrived, got in the taxi. It was the same guy on the phone, right? So we'd left the pub. But I couldn't get rid of the accent because I talked to the guy on the phone in this accent. And he was the guy who was driving the cab. So I had to talk to him in this accent for a good, like, 15 minutes in this car journey, asking all sorts of info about how he's up, what he's up to, how he's doing, all of this stuff. Anyway, so he eventually <laughs> dropped us off in Lyme Regis. And uh, I was able to finally, over about four hours, shake, shake the accent until... We had to get back home again in the evening and, you know, we'd had like a day out. Anyway, <clears throat> phoned up and it was the same guy. So the accent comes back on, a little bit drunk, I was dropping the accent a little bit on the way home, right? Uh, got home and I think, well, think nothing of it, right? Wake up the next day, have a nice time. Uh, go to the seaside, have a look, you know, we're, we're all right. And we think, right, well, there's two pubs in town, so we'll go to the other pub today, right? Uh, see, see what they've got on, see what sort of a spread they put on, right? Uh, no one's missing Jerry at this stage. Nick's, Nick's all right, Nick's in control. We get to the pub, and, the, and, and it's about, it's about 2.45, and we get to the other pub. Uh, there's only two pubs in town, and the other pub closed at 2.30, so it's open on a Sunday between 12 and 2.30. So we had to go back to the original pub, uh, full of the locals, full of the same staff. And I had to make a decision there whether I admit to my uh, fraudulent behaviour the day before or I uh, slipped back into talking in, in, in the accent. And what did you do? Well, I did a little bit of both, to be <laughs> fair. When people were in earshot, I would sort of slip into Jerry, uh, if you pardon the pun. But um, but most of the time, I would send her to the bar because it wasn't her birthday on the Sunday, uh, and she did. <laughs> she's not a fucking princess now. Um, so uh, so it was fucking awkward. But I did like the idea that you're in this small town, you create an alter ego for like a bit of a laugh for half an hour and he ends up coming on the whole fucking holiday with you I thought that was fun anyway it's a difficult accent to drop so you are now listening to fan club with me Jerry no surname and Nathaniel Metcalf that is Jezzes and Naz I really like the idea that they just knew (laughs) of course they knew I'm not that good at an accent. You know what I mean? It's not the same as an impression. <laughs> well, I fucking nail them. Oh. It's uh, just a just a, a rather bad accent. Anyway, if you are from Liverpool and listening today, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so I think it's time. It is now time. It's 22 minutes past. Uh, so uh, that was what I did this, this week, this weekend. Um, I've had a lovely old time and I am enjoying life. 
Now, so places, line, places in Dorset begin with C, Canford Cliffs, Canford Bagner, Can, Castleton, Castleton, no, 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 I think it was Cern Abbas. Charlton. I think we were staying in Charlton. Charlton. Charlton Marshall? No, just Charlton. Charmouth. Oh, Charmouth. Oh, Charmouth. It was Charmouth then. Charmouth. I've got no idea where I go, where I stay. Uh, you know, it's like that thing, because I'm a comedian sometimes. I don't really feel like I am anymore. <laughs> but I'm a... But, um, so I'm a comedian, and so uh, people will say, wow, wow, you must be really busy. If you, what kicks have you got? And I'm like, I don't know. When they like, what do you mean you don't know? How are you going to get there? And I, when I look it up on the day, they cannot believe it because you know they're squares. <laughs> uh, have you got any alter egos, Nat? Do you have any alter egos? Do you have to pretend? No, I don't think so. Do we? Do we pretend to be other people? Depending on who we're with, Nick. Um, I certainly got about four different versions of me. Is one of them Jerry? No. That's Jerry. What the fuck are you talking about? That's weird. Yeah, lots of different versions. I suppose you're different, aren't you? You're different with who you are. I suppose you're different with who you're talking to on the phone. No, no, no. No? No, I don't think so. Fairly. I'm a lot like this a lot of the time. I think you are. Most of the time. I'm fairly, uh... I'm pretty, uh... Where am I, where, where am I different around? Hmm... Nah, I think I'm. I think I don't know if I do enter into the alter egos unless I've got some Tyler Durden type uh, character that I've invented or something. What about that time when we got drunk and you beat the shit out of me in a car park? <laughs> That's just me. Oh, that is just me. That makes sense. <laughs> that does actually make sense. <laughs> anyway, so here we are. I am robot. Oh, hang on. I'm playing. Not playing the music. Is this uh, which one? There we go. Just turn the volume down before I'm told. Yep, done. So, uh, this was on Monday. Is that when it was? This Monday, was it? I am robot. Meh. Disappointing. It's the same episode every week. Um, have you moved it? Why have you moved it halfway through? Why? Why would you do that? Why? <laughs> you didn't do it, did you? <laughs> I mean, that happened, right? Disappointing, it's the same episode every week. John Carpenter, John Carpenter, blah, blah, blah. Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper, blah, blah, blah. Kurt Russell, blah. We don't hardly mention Kurt Russell at all. Maybe you've got your fucking ears fucking set to the same episode going on every fucking week. Maybe you don't know how to use a podcast. Maybe you don't know how to use my own podcast. Listen back to the same one again. Kurt Russell, blah. Edinburgh, blah. Nissa, blah. Oh, anyway, the reason I brought up uh, uh, Charmouth. Oh, yeah. Charmouth? Charmouth. <laughs> Charmouth. You know, where you were at the weekend. Yes! The reason I bring up Charmouth <laughs> is because... Um, oh, there was a Nisa local. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long and winding road, but we got there in here. I don't know Anyway, that's fan club. I can't tell whether this is an actual criticism or not. I can't tell or it's a joke. But they have, even if it's a joke, they've apparently given us one of uh, one of the ironic two stars people give us. I mean, that is an ironic two stars. And who wouldn't like to hear about John Carpenter? Do you know what? Do you know how many podcasts are out there and radio shows and TV programmes and movies that don't talk about John Carpenter? Exactly. 
I mean, loads don't. Most of them don't, I would say. So Line I would of say, Duty, The News. Oh, fucking. Gentleman Jack. Love, none of them talk Love about. Love Island. <laughs> Love Island. Fucking hell. Also, there's an incorrect spelling on Kurt Russell. I think it's a double L at the end. Yeah, he's a fucking cunt and he knows it. I am robot. If you're a robot, robot, you'd get the fucking spelling right. If you're if you're an up-to-date yes. robot, you'd have a spell checker. Exactly. Like fucking. Data from Star Trek or like someone. Like Data. Make it so. Make it so, Data. Spell check this, please. Make it so. Um, oh, you sound like a gaggle of schoolgirls. <laughs> He's back. Oh, God. That's it. Nice. Put him back in the box. No, let me out. Let me out. I'm not letting you out. Oh. Oh. And uh, let's get rid of him. There he There you go. Gunshot and cock. <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, there you go. Charmers, Charmers stores, Nisa. Uh, that's fan club. Five stars. Here we go. Here we go. Back to how it should be. Mark Granger, five stars. This was on the second of June, two thousand and nineteen. Why? Who keeps fucking moving it? I mean, you're pointing at each other at the moment, but someone's fucking moving it. I'm trying to do my job. Um, I've been meaning to write a review. Oh, come on. Just wait for this uh, track to play out. And yeah. I'll, um, start it up again. Hardly. That's Van Club. Mark Granger. Five stars. I've been meaning to write a review of this for ages. A fantastic show. It's all about celebrating the things we love. Asterisk. Not Asterix. Um, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not suggesting we talk about Asterix. <laughs> um, uh, asterisk. This review has been edited as per Nick's critiques. Good. So he's listened to the shows. He's removed any critiques that we've, like any of the criticism we don't like. And he's what he's left with is a standard, solid five star review. Um, well done, Mark. I don't totally understand. Uh. The asterisk that he's left us with. I don't know why there's an asterisk followed by the remainder of the asterisk immediately afterwards. He should have just well, just carried on. I think it's proof to say that asterisks or not, Mark Granger is a cunt. This is from. Uh, this is a tweet, I believe. This is a tweet from from the Twitter the Twitter platform at Claire Taylor Twenty. That's Claire Louise Taylor replying to Fubar Natmekov and the Nick Helm. You mentioned some kind of wonderful, such and great film and soundtrack. Oh dear. <laughs> All thumbs were we, Claire. Um, <laughs> Hi, Nick and Nathaniel Metcalf. This is from Lewis. Hi, Nick Lewis. And, and Nathaniel Metcalf. Uh, what? Uh, that's not, nice. It's done the Lewis. full name. Not Lewis from Morse. Yeah, I think that's who it must be. He's Lewis. done a lot of investigating. He's finally... Well, he's uh, the only Lewis I know of a single name. Just Lewis. My God. Hi, Nick and Nathaniel Metcalf, comma. Just wondering, comma, what are the most seemingly overrated TV shows, forward slash films, that you regret not watching at the time? What do you mean? What the most mean? Seemingly, seemingly overrated, overrated TV shows. That you regret. Shows. Oh, do you mean like if someone says... What, like Game of Thrones? They go, oh, it's so great. Oh, it's so, and then you think, I wish I had watched that. But then if you watch it, you don't know till you've watched it, do you? I don't think there's anything wrong with all of that, I have to say. Um, um, with all of what? Well, just like people being enthusiastic about stuff. Well, obviously that's what our show's about. But, um, I, but like, so I remember I was, we were filming third series of Uncle. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
every day, Stranger Things just come out and every day people and I think that this is the closest that you get to being uh, not the closest you get but this was I think it, I think it's a close approximation to what, it, it, what it's like working in an office from when I worked mm, in an office yeah, yeah. so you've got all different people that are there with different uh, skills and they're coming in and they're doing their job and um, and people make small talk all day and, and that's part of the skill of it's often what they find that they've got in common all they've got in common is a thing they've both seen well then well, Strange Things was a big thing and it was like wildfire it started at the beginning of the job and then by like t- a week in two weeks in everyone was watching Stranger Things and I sort of and everyone was like going on about like how clever it is and oh god it's like the Oh, it's, like, it's like all of the Spielberg movies, you know, but they made something out of it, you know. <laughs> and, you, and I watched like an episode, and yeah, it's it was set in the like, 80s, and I saw, I saw a Space Invaders. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It was, and then it was sort of like, yeah, but that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So I sort of watched it, and I was a bit like, oh. Yeah, I was. I was sort of disappointed. And then, like maybe two years later, I watched them all, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I thought, yeah, it's great, and it is what it is. No, I don't think it's clever. I think that it's actually pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. They've just put it all in a grinder, and and even to the point that they just basically copied it and hit the most yeah, successful yeah, yeah. horror film of all time. Uh, and so uh, I don't know. So um, I just felt like yeah, it was a ba- basically a rehash of Stranger. Like even to the point that you know, oh, you've got um, in the in his bedroom, he's got posters of films that he wouldn't have possibly been able to see at that point. Mm-hmm. I think in Stranger Things, it's Beetlejuice and Gremlins. Yeah. No, yeah. in it, it's I th- is it Gremlins and Beetlejuice? I didn't see it. Did you not? I I mean I, I didn't hear anyone talked, say anything. We've talked we, good about it. We've talked about it before, but it's, yeah, CGI. It, like it's a film where the CGI absolutely ruins it. I think is it because it, it is like a sort of eighteen as well, isn't it? Because I couldn't. It sort of almost looked like it was trying to do a sort of PG. Horror I doubt thing. it was. No, I don't think it was a PG horror film. I think it was like I think it was like an R maybe. So but like um, fifteen, eight, yeah, so. but yeah, it was a fifteen. I'm sure. Um, yeah, it was uh, like I, I think that the idea. Of, I don't know. I just find that uh, Stephen King books, uh, Stephen King films. I just think surely they're straightforward, right? Mm. How hard can it be to get them right? It seems impossible. <laughs> uh, and even the ones that people really love, it's because um, you know. They've been reinvented to the point that Stephen King disowns them. So mm. I just, I don't understand. Anyway, well, like, I tell you what, the most successful ones are the non-horror ones. Yeah. So yeah. you have, like, Shawshank and Stand By Me, and mm. you go, oh, they're, they're brilliant. Dolores Claiborne is really good, actually. Yeah, I've um, And, uh, but then, you know, and, and the ones that I, that I enjoy probably more in hindsight are stuff like Needful Things, um, and I quite like the first half of The Stand, mm. uh, which is a TV series. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, not to get into that. But, like, um, so I would say that... Um, I, not that I regret not getting into Stranger Things, but I think that other people's enthusiasm, oddly, can turn me off of stuff. And um, and you can be quite possessive as well if you discover something. Mm. Like, um, I remember when I was at school, I was the only person that liked Alice Cooper. Um, and that made me love him more. And the same with Bruce Campbell. Just I was the only person that mm. watched Army of Darkness, and I would go around and I would force people to watch Army of Darkness, and then I would convert them over to be fans. But I think that if everyone had been going on about Army of Darkness, I wouldn't have got into it. And if yeah, everyone had been I'm, Alice Cooper fans, you know, yeah, 
I think I I don't really do that well. <coughs> and I think yeah, I think when people are talking about things, I often think, ah, oh, well, I'll be the judge of that. And also, I I find like I like I think we've said lots of times, I find the commitment. It's always TV, it's always something on Netflix, and I always think that when I watch things on Netflix, the quality of them are never as good as something like HBO stuff or anything. You go. This isn't very good, but everyone seems to like love it. Well, we everyone get, has Netflix. We keep getting happy uh, uh, recommended to us. Oh yeah, which yeah. Is that, it's it. sort of like a violent uh, crime thing about a guy and an imaginary unicorn. Um, I thought it was rubbish, okay. but we keep getting it recommended, and people say this is your sort of thing, and they go, "I didn't really enjoy it, but I, I did only watch like the first couple mm. of episodes, and I never really got into it." Um, uh, I didn't watch Breaking Bad at the time, and then I went back and watched it, and I really loved that. Um, I only saw I saw one series of Breaking Bad, and I enjoyed it, but then there's never been a point where I go, oh, I'll watch series two. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like when it had the natural break, I went, yeah, give it a break for a while now, and then I just never went back. But I enjoyed it. I was I was like going, I felt like, this is good, yeah, it's good. Well, that's what happened with Game <laughs> of Thrones with me, because um, uh, Gemma Whelan's in it, and, yeah, yeah. and we know Gemma. And um, so I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch it until Gemma, t- you know, not until Gemma turns up. But I'm going to watch it. And uh, and she turns up like three episodes in, four episodes in, two episodes into the second series. I watched the first series. And I was like, you know, I'd go home and watch an episode every night. Mm. And go, oh, I'm really, in- oh, I'm enjoying this, getting into it. And then mm. I was like, oh, no, Sean Bean. And then watched the second series. And I was like, you know, yeah, it's good. And then Gemma turned up. I was like, oh, there she is, there she is. And then it's kind of like, and then I didn't like make a decision not to, but I just never went back to it. Mm, yes. And then it got to like, oh, it's eight, nine series in. I don't know how many series it is, but and you go, what a commitment. I can't, mm. I can't do it all. Um, so I don't really regret any of it. What I do miss is your, is the ability to kind of like, um, I don't know, because geek culture maybe um, has become more mainstream, uh, it kind of feels like your ability to pick and choose and to find stuff that means something personally to you is kind of... uh, Everything has to mean something to everyone. Yes, yeah. I suppose that's everything. Everyone just wants to try and make connections, don't they, with each other? (laughs) Because that's the thing. But you think it's on broadcast TV now the nature of, like, on-demand TV would mean that you don't have those kind of, uh, what they would be, like, water-cooler moments. Yeah, but they're trying to justify their existence at the same time. They're trying to go, we can go toe-to-toe, actually, and mm. we can cre- we can create must-see TV. Yeah, and they do do. That's and, what's and, interesting. And it's weird. It sort of shouldn't work that way, but it does. But it's weird because it's there unlimited. You know, you can go, you can go back. It's not like you've got to watch it on Monday. It's there, you can... You know, exactly, um, and yet everyone chooses to virtually watch it at the same time because there must be something about that that people like that people like to be part of the conversation I think yeah but then there is stuff that is completely overhyped that um, um, that I find is disappointing just by its very nature yeah. Oh, I'm struggling to think of a thing. I had that with um, Russian Doll. <laughs> I watched that, and I was sort of, and everyone was saying how great it was, and it was quite short. And I went, "Oh, what's that? Like six half hours? Oh, I could probably do that." And it felt like the commitment wasn't uh, wouldn't have been that bad. And I watched the first one, and I was like, and straight away I was like, I don't know. And then I thought, do you know what? Though I'm being silly about this because there's six half hours, and there's obviously going to be like a massive payoff to this, and that's why I'm 
being a bit like the first episode didn't grab me and I really persevered with it like yeah there's gonna be a big payoff to this and there just wasn't and I found it a bit like oh okay well that was disappointing yeah. but I think again just because it was it was one of those things that if you discovered it by yourself I might well have enjoyed it a lot more but it's weird there are a few things it's like if everyone had told me that Tommy Boy was the funniest film ever made and then yeah. I watched Tommy Boy I would say oh, it's okay yeah and then I'd probably hate it a bit because everyone liked it so much. Mm. But because I don't know anyone really in England that rates Tommy Boy, yeah. I'm just like, I love this film. I probably love it more than it deserves because yeah. of the thing. But then there's stuff like, um, well, it's like when you look at, I know it's sort of very old, but when you watch a film like Casablanca, yes. I think that film is every bit as good as everyone has always said it was. Mm. And I was kind of like, well, it's not going to be that good, is it? It's going to be... And, and I watch black and white films and I watch <laughs> old films and slow films, but I always thought, well, it looks old and slow. And, I'm, and Casablanca is just, I think, the, you know, not my favourite film ever, but I think it is the greatest film ever made. Mm. I think it's every bit as good as that. And then you look at something like uh, Airplane or Naked Gun, and everyone says, these are the greatest comedies of all time, mainly Airplane rather mm. than Naked Gun. I would say Naked Gun is better. It's got, um, a, like, it is its own film as well as uh, pastiche and genre, the genre, but it's got its own actual mm. storyline that you can get invested in. Um, uh, and Airplane, but everyone goes on about how great Airplane is, and I think Airplane is as good as what everyone says. So there's yeah, some, yeah. Uh, I can't think of... Um, and I also thought Breaking Bad was as good as uh, I was. Uh, I was told it was. Yeah, in general, the things everyone says are the best things are probably the best things. I thought. Well, <laughs> I don't know because I thought Stranger Things was kind of like uh, obvious. But I think that's more of a. That's not. I think well, that's a different thing. I think that's a thing where what people are liking about it is something more disposable. Like they don't. They don't. Like, it's almost like like we're talking about the difference between something which is big now and something which stands the test of time right so sure. if like in like in 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 10 years when people are talking about the best telly that was around now if this is the golden age it's probably not going to be stranger things it's going to be whatever's lasted and people have gone back to and gone um i think it's some some films have you ever seen two lane blacktop have you ever seen oh yeah, yeah yeah i saw that movie. who's the guy in that bruce dern no it's uh, it's, uh, it's um james taylor james taylor uh, and fucking the fucking coolest man on the planet Dennis Wilson no <laughs> Warren Oates Warren Oates he um, is so cool he's he fucking he's cool absolutely brilliant he's the coolest dude fucking Warren Oates oh my god um, Warren Oates Warren Oates is, like he's done that thing where he's, he, you only see him in like you know he's in a handful of films now but he's in every film he is like wow have you seen um, Bring the Head of Alfred yeah 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 incredible I saw that for the first time like a year or two ago and I thought I'd seen it, and I watched it, and that was one of those things you watch it and go, "Well, I mean, that's like a super ten out of ten film." Yeah, bring me. Yeah, because I went through a pecking pass season, mm. and I watched that. And then he's also in uh, the Wild Bunch. Yes, yes. He's yes. like uh, fifty, yeah. and he's one of the young guys out yeah. in the, in the <laughs> Wild Bunch. Oh, yeah, and also, but like he was the he was the main he was the captain in Stripes. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And that was sort of like my first introduction to Warren Oates. And uh, it doesn't look like the same guy. I think it's because he doesn't have a moustache. Yes, yeah. But um, fucking hell, I love Warren Oates. No, amazing. Mm. Uh, but uh, Two Lane Blacktop was a film that I watched. Like, one of my friends would recommend it. It was one of his favourite films. And he was always recommending it to me. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, it sounds good. I'll watch that. And I watched it. And I was like, mm -hmm, it's all right. It was okay. 
And then, but it had that thing where it, I just kept thinking about it afterwards, mm. and then watched it again probably six months later. Like, like it's, it just stays with you, and you go, "I quite fancy watching that again," even though it hadn't made a massive impression on me. And second time I watched it, it just—it's like you're watching a brand new film and going, like from like five minutes in, you're going, "This is brilliant." Yeah, I didn't love it, but I think that it's one of them films like Paris, Texas, where if you watch it on <laughs> on at home on video or mm. whatever. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many distractions. But I went to see Paris, Texas at the cinema, and you know, you're locked in and mm. you're watching it, and it's just this really slow atmospheric film that unfolds. I think Two Lane Blacktop isn't necessarily a slow film, but it's like one of those films where you really need to give it the attention yeah, yeah. it deserves. It's not like whereas, I mean, I've got to play a song, but whereas I just watched Venom today, oh, yeah. and I had it sort of on in the background while I was doing something else. Best way. Um, and I don't feel like I missed out on any of it. No. Um, play a song and then. Yes. And then um, I don't think I played this before. Yes, yes, I know you're hungry. Ah, and here comes dinner. Feel my Frankenstein! Turn some volume down, and I don't know which one. Um, hello, my name is Nick Helm. This is uh, oh, it matter. Uh, what, I don't mean it doesn't matter, but sorry. <laughs> I, I just got halfway through the introduction, and the introduction didn't matter. It doesn't but, matter. But it is Nathaniel McCall. Feed, feed my Frankenstein. From and the I've movie Wayne's World. That's Wayne's World. Wayne's World. And I have been feeding myself some biscuits. <laughs> hmm. um, sure. Um, just, just Alice Cooper's done two songs. Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, feed my Frankenstein and teenage Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. N- uh, neither once uh, has he acknowledged the fact that Frankenstein is uh, <laughs> the, the creator creature. rather than the monster. <laughs> Find that actually bewildering. Once is foolish, mm. but twice is like mm. you're well, in a belligerent. Feed my Frankenstein. What's he referring to? His penis. I think it's his libido, but basically his dick, um, mm. which is just, I mean, what is he putting into his dick? I mean, that's weird, right? Mm. You don't insert things into the, unless, yeah, unless you, you mean like... A um, medical thing. Could be an like endoscopy. A, yeah, or like a piece of raw spaghetti. <laughs> just uh, giving it a... Yeah, let people do that, don't they? A <laughs> <laughs> bit of raw spaghetti. <laughs> That's no, good because if you put some raw spaghetti in yeah. it and then you bend your penis in half, yeah. uh, the crack that it sounds sounds like you're actually breaking your yeah. your dick, but you're not. It's just the spaghetti. You pull it in out there. after twelve minutes. You can't pull it out. Is it? Is it? You can't pull it out. <laughs> you need to go for a jog until it cooks, and then it sort of slithers out. You get it. Um, uh, if you're listening at home, don't. You get like a pencil and wind it out. Oh, you get one of them um, uh, electronic pencils. <laughs> Not electronic ones, but they're called mechanical <laughs> pencils. Uh, you can put the lead from the mechanical Got pencil up your penis. penis. Yep, that's what I'd do, definitely. 
Um, yeah. Well, people say, that'll put lead in your pencil. Uh, and well, that's what they mean. Uh, no, it won't put lead in my pencil. It'll put lead right up my penis. And then I will write a sonnet. With the penis? With my dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hands on my hips. Um, that's beautiful. Wait, have you taken all of the stuff off now? I mean, we, I have gone... Uh, I've gone down. <laughs> uh, I see what you mean now. Yeah, I'm the yeah. Um, no, it's gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. They've taken it all off. Um, well, so that was, I just that was Lewis who said that question. Lewis has asked a question about overrated stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he suggested what was he? Was he, he? I think his example was Fleabag and Killing Eve. Was it? I didn't even see his examples. Can you get the email back up? Um, there we go. I've noticed quite a lot of people have been reluctant to watch Fleabag slash Killing Eve due to a perceived overhype that they are both perfect TV experiences. I, I mean, I'm, I haven't watched Fleabag or Killing Eve uh, to the extent that I should have. I liked, I, I really like Fleabag, uh, and I watched Killing Eve off the back of Fleabag, and I saw the first Killing Eve and was a bit meh. Oh, well, but people I, absolutely love it. See, the thing is, I want to like stuff. I mm. don't want to go in and feel like I've wasted my time, or I've wasted. And I just, and I do find um, stuff that gets overhyped is. Uh, I just want to go in. My favourite things. Yeah. My favourite things are the things that I've gone in with no preconceived mm. expectations. I just go in wanting stuff to be good, and then, um, uh, and you know, I've stopped watching trailers for stuff. Um, uh, having said that, you know, I watched the Terminator trailer because I was very, very curious. Still not seen it. Oh, fucking hell. I mean... I watched first... Uh, I watched Last Blood trailer. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like Rambo to me. Mm. It feels like, oh, Stallone's doing a movie that's got a budget and it looks like, you know, it'll be in the cinemas and stuff. Yeah, great, brilliant. Uh, it's Rambo. Uh, if, it, if it wasn't called Rambo, you know, even the bow and arrow doesn't make it feel like Rambo. I just think, you know, I'll be, I'm really ex- interested in watching it and excited about watching it mm. and all of that stuff. But I also, I mean, like I said, I feel like Rambo and Rocky have kind of like met in the middle yeah, yeah, now yeah. where they're both. Thank you for my tea. Um, Thank you also for my tea. Uh, What a way to start the weekend. Uh, This is a new... um, What a way to start the weekend. Nick and Nat's funny quips and remarks about pop culture and pop drinks make the second half of my Friday... Why has that been highlighted by Natalie King? I mean, it says who's doing it now. Yeah, we've got... <laughs> okay, uh, Pop Drinks makes the second half of my Friday go that little bit faster. As an avid fan, I'd love it if you could take some time to discuss what I'm a fan of Harry Potter. Favourite film from the eight part saga. You've not seen, not seen any, of, any of the Harry Potter films, and I would say probably for me, I've seen all of the Harry Potter films, and I would say my favourite film of the eight part saga would be. Uh, the Revenge of Smog. Uh, loved your chat with Oliver Harper about Disneyland and Alton Towers. As an avid, uh, it'd probably be the last Harry Potter. The last one. Yeah. I thought the best one's meant to be. The, is it the third one with Gary Oldman? No, that I, I, I think that that's the shortest one, and everyone said at the time, "Oh, it's the best one so far." Mm. But I think it's so abridged that from a non-reader. Uh, it doesn't I, make sense. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, but definitely stylistically it's changed. Christopher Columbus really didn't do a, 
a very good job at like building mm. the. I think the first two just look like cheap telly. Well, that's like the Lord of the Rings film. By the time they're the third one, I, I've never read the Lord of the Rings books, and it was still three hours. And you're going, "What's happened to all the?" Where? And they just lo- lose, leave out some characters, and go, "Yeah, but you'll buy the eight-hour version, won't you, when it comes out?" And it's like, no. I just want to find out what happened to all the people I've seen in the first two. Well, I think when Blu-ray took over and DVD took over uh, from the viewing experience, you know, it sort of made a bit more sense. But at the time, Christopher Lee was absolutely gutted to be cut out of that third yeah. film. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I went to see him, <laughs> to be honest. Right, I was yeah. like, but he's not even in, like, the third film. He's like, he's the main baddie, and he doesn't he doesn't appear in the last film. Doesn't make any sense, right? Um, I... I, I as an example of stuff that's overhyped, I really have never really got on board with mm. the Lord of the Rings. I enjoyed watching them every Christmas with my family as kind of like um, spectacular stuff, but um, uh, but like a Christmas it, I... spectacular. But it's up there with the nineties, eighties, nineties Chronicles of Narnia TV series. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I, yeah, and I like I like them for what they were. But I think because of that, I wanted to re- some resolutions to things that you you'd already watched. And the idea, it's like you go, was that Christopher Lee? Like I, I was while I was watching it, I was waiting for him to show Turn up, up, and you go, I mean, he's the main bad guy, isn't he? And he's not. They just kind of cut him out. But that's what um, Netflix. Crazy. Well, that's what episodic TV series do. Yeah. Oh, Westworld, I felt was completely overhyped. I never, and I found that, and I'm such a fan of the mm. the movie, the original '70s movie, and Michael, the '70s Michael TV Crichton. show. And the 70s, uh, what's that called? <laughs> Beyond Westworld. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was a really good question, Lewis. Thank you very much. If uh, a couple a more of you assholes would uh, write in something <laughs> decent, then maybe we wouldn't be struggling every week and just talking about John Carpenter all the time. You're fucking blaming us. We literally say, tell your friends and write in if you want to okay. talk about something. And you don't do it. So it's basically us, you know, swimming in our own piss. What a way to start the weekend. So that's a great question, Lewis. What a way to start the weekend. Uh, Nick and Nat's funny quips and remarks. I love your tower. As an avid part. Uh, we did that one about Harry Potter. Uh, theme park. Uh, myself, I often dream about having my own theme park in the Hills Lake District. Uh, with a ride that is somewhat like the scene from Kill Bill where she chops off Tanaka's head. Yes, I, uh, chops off the top of Tanaka's head. Uh, I'm interested in what a fan club theme park would look like and what the signature ride would be cheers mark tunbridge wells uh you would enter through um uh, you'd you'd your your car would be uh um a bit of a mechanical pencil lead and then you'd go into like a, a penis tunnel you'd be fired into my penis tunnel uh and i would and, um and we'd use up-to-date technology so that um uh, it would be like a fake tunnel but the sensors on it would be electronically connected to my actual penis. <laughs> so when you were like, walking up and down, we'd have to insist <laughs> that you took your shoes off and I would be able to feel all of your little toes <laughs> walking up and down my urethra uh, and would spend so much money on it uh, that there wouldn't be enough time yeah. to do anything else. And it would also, like the, um, like the one in Disneyland, we'd also have a filmed intro of um, Aerosmith Telling, telling us about Tell Nick's penis. How they did it. Uh, uh, so that would be the beginning, and then at the end, I'd just shit you out into the into the sh- <laughs> into the gift shop. Uh, and you'd have all you'd the. You'd have um, to buy all of the merchandise. You would have, uh, and and everyone would be uh, every every ride would have Drew Carey sat with you. 
describing. I'm in this. It'd be pointing at the exit. It'd yeah. be like, which would be like a recreation of my actual asshole. And Drew Carey would be stood outside going, "I'm in this. I'm in this." But the real Drew Carey. But the real Drew Carey. Yeah. Not yeah. an animatronic Drew Absolutely. Carey. No, no, no. The real, the real Drew Carey. Not an animatronic, <laughs> uh, repurposed uh, Drew Carey from another ride. Uh, oh man, uh, you should definitely watch that video. That's what, good. What's was that it called? Um, um, Hollywood. Uh, uh, it's like limo, limo, superstar limo. Superstar limo. There's a video on YouTube. I think about it's, it's the, a defunct land. Defunct land. There is, yeah. Uh, there's a YouTube video, but oh, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Just uh, anyway, hey, uh, hey it's Whoopi. Um, uh, thanks for your question, Mark. I hope that enlightened you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there'll probably be uh, a bit in the middle about John Carpenter. Hey, I uh, like the show. I don't think you speak about animals a lot. Which ones do you like? I'm studying the author theory at the moment and what we really interested to know what is. <laughs> and who is your favorite author director? Cheers, Roddy. Well, Roddy. Um, thanks for sending thanks for in sending that, that audio file, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is your favourite author? Is do you believe in the author theory? Uh, yeah, and I, I quite like those people who sort of deny it when they. <laughs> well, there's more than one person that works in the film there, Nat. <laughs> no, but I think it's like uh, what I always think is interesting are the people that don't really see it in themselves. That you know, <laughs> you have all those guys, and you go, "Well, not really." All those kind of old old school directors often. They they they're a bit more. They sort of distance themselves from it, didn't they? They sort of sort of like that's ridiculous. And then, but they're often the ones that are, are most. When you watch a film and you know it's by mm. that person. My favourite auteurs are probably you know mm. Woody Allen, Roman Polanski, Brian Singer. Those are the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now I think you are right. That there's there's. But it depends on. Not every director is an auteur. No, but Alfred but, Hitchcock was. Yeah, but he is. No, you can tell it's him. Yeah, Woody Allen is as well. Woody you, Allen's a yeah. Woody Allen's a great example of a film you could watch five minutes of it from the mid, dead. You know what of it, it is from the credits. And it'd be like Woody Allen film. Yeah, but you know what it is from the opening yeah, credits. Yeah. Just like because yeah, it says Woody Allen. <laughs> but you can say that about most directors actually. <laughs> oh no, he's doing it again. <laughs> Here we go. Here he is. Here we go. When was this made? Oh no, it was made about two years ago. <laughs> 2018. <laughs> Yikes. Um, who is. Uh, yeah, I'd say. Um, I mean, it's obvious, though, isn't it? Uh, I would say John Carpenter is an auteur. Mm, I would too. say uh, Alfred Hitchcock is an auteur. I'd mm. say Quentin Tarantino is an auteur. Mm. I'd say Robert Rodriguez doesn't really feel like one anymore. He used to, but then I think that uh, any like voice that he. Or mm. the style that he had has kind of like been yes, filtered yeah, out yeah, through yeah, his overuse of, of like bad stuff. And CGI. I think it's like, and um, I mean, that's one of the reasons you can probably spot a Robert Rodriguez film though from the sort of weird CGI he uses. You go, uh, like where he's done his like what seems to be quite cheap CGI. Mm. But I quite like because well, he does like it in his, his garage. Aesthetic. Yeah, I like he's got his like a, he's got what do you call it a uh, a ranch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so Tim Burton is, where's Anderson is, David Lynch is. Yeah, but um, I really loved early Tim. Oh, that sounds so poncy, doesn't it? Everything up to about Sleepy Hollow, I really liked. Um, We're discussing this. I was discussing this the other day with someone, and actually, I liked it. Yeah, was it, it me? You know, like it's uh, no sort of the Tim Burton stuff. You go. I forgot how many of his films I really liked up until. I think it's more that he's now. 
he's now a product, isn't he? Like a Tim Burton film is a product. Yeah. And and now he knows how to make Tim Burton films, <laughs> except for they've lost what the what was good about. They're them. too slick in a way. Mm. My, my, I mean, my favourite Tim Burton, two favourite Tim Burtons is uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure mm-hmm. and Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. And Edward Scissorhands is like, oh, he's nailed it. And Pee Wee's Big Adventure is just a fucking great film, I think. Um, I like all those. I, I, I think Edward and maybe some in like Batman Returns. I was, I was absolutely, but partly because I, I think I'd just forgotten how much I liked it. Sure. And, and until I saw it the other week, I was like, what, what a great movie. I, I, I mean, back in the day, I really loved him. But then mm. the more he, the, the, you know, the he's, more ne- he's never learnt to tell an interesting story. Mm. It's all visuals, mm. and um, and you know, I find the films, although visually stunning, uh, they don't have many parts that I look forward mm. to, and I don't find them particularly entertaining or fun. And I think it's more that recently it feels like he has more misses than hits in terms of like just good. Like when you start doing like a bad movie, you go, yeah. oh, that was. That was that wasn't very good and then you watch the next one and it's now like it's like you're in the second half of his career where it's just are there any good ones yeah and um, I would also say my favourite um, uh, Dario Argento oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but um, I would say I love Hitchcock and I love Dario Argento, but I'd have to probably give it a little bit more thought because I'm, I'm because yes. it's not David Lynch it's not Sofia Coppola I love two or three Wes Anderson films, like with a passion and the others I can sort of take and leave. Uh, Tim Burton, half an amazing career. And then the rest is great. It's, it's fine. I, mean, I wouldn't say great. Mm. I wouldn't say the Alice in Wonderland sequel is great, or the original. Or, you know, anyway, it's complicated. Anyway, uh, or Planet of the Apes, you know, fucking hell. Um, right, our guest is here, so we're going to play a song. Is it David Bowie? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I stood stone like a midnight Suspended in my masquerade I combed my hair till it was just right And commanded the night brigade Club on Fubar Radio. Okay, is it too loud for you? Is it too loud for you? It's okay. It's all right. It's perfect. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, we're joined. In, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. No one ever says that. <laughs> That's great. Just right. Uh, we're joined in the studio by Nick De Simlian. I mean, that's fucking appalling. It's close. Go on, say it. De Simlian. Dissemblian. Right, yeah, you know sure, what? sure. It's, it's as it's spelt, isn't it? It's exactly as it's spelt. <laughs> but it's, it's a bit a like uh, the Steve Martin character name in Man With Two Brains. Everyone says it differently. It's absolutely fine. I think my go-to would have been Semelian. And it isn't. That's what I thought. Long ago when we were booking you, I thought she was booking a Semelia. And I thought, no, that's great. If they were a fan of wine. Ironically, I'm terrible at pouring wine, so... You're terrible Goes at everywhere. pouring wine, but are you terrible at tasting wine? Yeah. Oh. Are, you, are you terrible at pouring wine after you've been drinking wine? 
just anything wine related I'm but, bad at but it sounds like you have a real drinking problem <laughs> am I right sorry if you do um, now, um, uh, uh, so, so you've just uh, you used to write do you used to write you still write for Empire magazine I still write there I work there in the office for the last 15 years I hear coming up to 15 and what was your first review my first review, um, I did Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Uh, wow. Was that better than the original? Did you see the original? I have seen the original. I, I think they're both pretty bad. Right, but if you had to pick one? Probably the first one. Is Do I have to? Which one's got Rowan Atkinson in? Oh my gosh. One, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. And does he turn out to be, uh, he's the bad guy, and they take his mask off, and he turns out to be Scrappy-Doo? Sounds yeah, right. Yeah, that's right, wasn't it? Uh, spoiler alert. I don't like that kind of. I've not seen it. I just am um, that much of a expert that I know <laughs> facts. James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy Absolutely. was involved in those films. Absolutely, he wrote them, didn't he? Surprising, yeah. Well, because back then he was from Troma, so he came from Troma. So what was really weird was it was just before he did Slither, right? Yeah. Uh, so he came from Troma, and then he wrote the Scooby Doo movies, and I think wasn't the aim because it had Matthew Lillard and the stuff that it was going to be more of a stoner movie hmm. and I think for a while Mike Myers was in it uh, as right, Shaggy yeah. and I think he could do a Scooby-Doo impression so he was linked to it for ages and then it was like oh no we'll cast it young and then they really I think there were a couple of drug references in it and then they didn't do any in the sequel but these are films that I haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> they're films you know that I've them. barely seen but yeah that was an early one uh, one What's of my first reviews what? was a uh, Snoop Dogg Dr. Dre film called The Wash have you seen that one? no oh is it a remake of kind of car wash car yeah wash. they're running a car wash Eminem pops up in it it's, yeah. it's pretty bad I gave now, it three stars do you give it three stars three stars it's quite bad. good right that's pretty good that's I, good I regret it yeah, right. I'm not sure it is three stars. I but haven't revisited. But. Did you feel the pressure when you first started that you had to give things positive praise? I think I was just excited. I was just excited. Yeah. And they give you a free drink. God, I really do sound like I've got a drinking problem. But, um, <laughs> no. you know, you go in and uh, I was just excited to see a film for free. And so maybe I was a little bit generous. Yeah. Oh, that was a cinema review. That's why they give you a free drink, though. Well, you go to previews. Oh, you they get a free, a free can of coke or they something. Ship you over to Arizona yeah, to be on the right. set of Crystal Skull, <laughs> and they say, "Well, what do you think of the movie? Hey, we've got some other films coming out next year. Do you want to evil?" Yeah, I'm a bit wiser <laughs> to their tricks now. But um, from the sound of it, though, could it be that when you start Empire Magazine, the editors go, "Give him Scooby Doo too and the Wash." <laughs> do you reckon they like? And they go, uh, they, 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 "They'll." They, they have uh, specifically picked those out because you're new but, and no one else wants to go. Definitely. Is that what happened? <laughs> Definitely. And that, is that something that you... That sounds actually... Uh, yeah, we've got to earn your stripes. And you go, yeah, I've had, I, had to, I had to review Bean, the ultimate disaster movie when I started, so you can review <laughs> Scooby-Doo 2. <laughs> That's not a good film. Bean, Bean the ultimate is that the full title Bean. I've just yes, called it yeah, Bean. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't speak about it a lot but I call it Bean I think it came out during the spate of uh, disaster movies in the late 90s mid to late 90s uh, yes. and so when it came out it was Bean the ultimate disaster movie which was weird because they just recreated a lot of the uh, sketches uh, from the film mm. but it's got Burt Reynolds in it it's directed by Mel Smith just weirdness all around. Yes, it's it absolutely is. crazy movie. All but Reynolds has a security crazy. card. Uh-huh. It's I got Willem so. Dafoe in it, hasn't it? Was that the sequel? That's the, that's the terrible, terrible sequel. I haven't seen any of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think my memory is he kills someone in that film accidentally, uh, Mr. Bean. That's my memory. I may be wrong. I don't want <laughs> <I don't wanna laughs> to smirch him. An accidental killing. A bean aside. <laughs> 
Um, I would say most of what this show is is me and Nick, but basically repeating facts that we read in Empire magazine <laughs> I would say in that. 1996, which the other one says. Yes, I know. I also <laughs> read it once in Empire mm. 24 years ago. And uh, also uh, with Empire, I've had arguments with people because they have literally just quoted Empire reviews back to me as their own opinions. And I've gone, I've got that issue. I can get it. <laughs> I can get it. I, uh, I, when did, what was my first issue of Empire? It was like, oh, maybe it was like 92 or something like that. Mm. Um, and then I went and got some back dated ones and, yeah i had them all up until um i would say the early 2000s yeah so unfortunately it feels like we've stopped reading empire about the time you started <laughs> <laughs> i won't take it to i think it was probably my scooby-doo 2 review <laughs> well, that's it, it was, that's uh, the last thing i read I mean, enough was, of this when Deal i went to the cinema it. and spent my hard-earned three pounds fifty on the wash i was just like <laughs> three, stars, three stars mate three stars it's dr dre operating a car wash i think there's you know i mean i'm sure there's some value to it um, so you've you've just written a book, um, and well, it's been out since uh, June the sixth. Yeah, uh, it's called Wild and Crazy Guys. Uh, and uh, tell us what, tell, tell us a little bit about that, Nick. Going full Bruce Forsyth there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really about the the comedy titans. I like the word titans, so I use that. The the, the big comedy icons of the eighties. You know, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy, Chevy Chase, uh, John Candy, Rick Moranis, those guys, and. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to meet quite a few of them and interview them for Empire over the years, and yeah. and I kind of started hearing their stories and thought there's a book in here because there was some there were, the eighties was an insane time in Hollywood generally. Yeah, I think, sure, but especially for comedy. Because um, it says here that you've uh, that um, not only does it say that this is the eighties comedy um, Easy Riders Raging Bulls. But you've also been got a, got a cover quote from Peter Biskind. I was super. I mean, I continue to be super happy about that. That's an incredible achievement. Yeah, that's that, like. I, yeah, that's been one of the biggest holy shit moments out of the whole thing. Because I, I read that book at university. That's an amazing book. Yeah, I love it, and I've read it several times. Um, it's one of three books I've read. <laughs> what are the other two? Uh, the hardback version of that. Uh, the paperback version of that <laughs> and then he did a follow up didn't he about uh, the indie 50s, scene in the 90s and how he did the, the 50s alien invasion the yeah, sci-fi films yeah and the one about what, uh, Tarantino and yeah and what was that one called Down in Dirty Pictures yes yeah but I, yeah I was I've uh, got that I haven't quite cracked the spine on that one Peter yet. Bogdanovich is upset by Easy Riders Raging Bulls and whenever he talks about it he goes you know what I call it Easy Riders raging bullshit. <laughs> and every time he says that, it always makes me laugh. And I think, you're not that smart, are you, Peter? That's a good line. That's <laughs> As a if, good like, line. He thinks, he's got, he thinks he's really nailed it with that. I think that's funny. You know what I call it? Um, I think um, everyone is angry with that book, though, because I interviewed William Friedkin uh, not too long ago. And I mentioned the book, and I mm. should, probably shouldn't have. And he, yeah, he, he flew off the handle a little bit. But what's that book based on? So it wasn't based on original... Interviews. Once he talked to, he talked to everyone. Okay. Yeah. Why are they pissed off about it? I just read it as <laughs> a great read, and I've seen the I've seen the film that they made mm. out of it. I love it. I love it. Is it Biskind or Biskind? Biskind, I think. Biskind. Oh, I got it right. And he's. Uh, um, God, I've completely lost my train. <laughs> we don't need to talk about this book. No, we don't need to talk about we another need to book. Talk about your book. But I love that book, and I'm I'm super happy that he's read it. That's, that's still but I very just, surreal that the thought that he's read it. Yeah, I think so. that's incredible. Yeah. 
I guess he really loves, you can tell, he really loves Hal Ashby. That's what I always get from that book. And it's like, that's his favourite. And that's who he most wants to talk about. Have you gone back to Raging Bull? <laughs> <laughs> Easy Riders Raging Bull? Just, you know what I, you know I, I call that book? You not to. Easy Won't Riders you? Raging Bullshit. <laughs> yes. No, Do you know what go. I call it? An easy read. Because I really love that, but just like it flows over the eyes. Although that gives you a very good indication of what your book is like. So immediately I go, oh, I get what this is immediately. So um, I've read the Saturday Night Live book, the really comprehensive one that talks about all of their careers up until they left Saturday Night Live. Mm. Uh, And so, not that this is a follow up, obviously, but um, um, uh, this just offers like. the next step in their career right yeah that's i mean it kind of was those books were in my mind because i've read uh, quite a few books about saturday night live mm. but there was no book after that and even steve martin's book born standing up which is really really good stops at the stops jerk just before mm. yeah. and so i interviewed him um for actually the pink panther 2 i got this great sit down for great a, fucking movie great movie he, <laughs> he loves it but um does he yeah he well we had we had this sort of mini was it at the sa- time that it was coming out though yeah but he sounded quite earnest about we, we sat down for an hour um, in this hotel and got to talk about a whole bunch of, of different ones of his films and he's quite cool on ones that were amazing and, was, really? and he doesn't like The Man With Two Brains um, he's not really that keen on The Jerk anymore and so I, was, I had a little bit of an argument with him which was quite surreal of going no 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 those are good films and he was like no they're not and I was going yeah they were and he's promoting and, um, the pink I suppose I he's, do. done, he's done so much since that I mean I would I mean I do I mean, I'm doing a show that I did 10 years ago because everyone has always said, oh, that was your best show. Not because of that, but because I do really like that show. But it doesn't, it doesn't annoy me. But I think that if I was Steve Martin and I had mastered so many different things, you know, he's a magician. I've always gone on about this. But like, he's a magician, he's a screenwriter, he's a movie star, he was the biggest stand up comedian on the planet, uh, he's a playwright, he's an author, he's, you know, he does, he's a musician, he does, he can, he's mastered all of these different techniques. And if people kept going on about the first fucking film I'd ever made, I would, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at least it's not um, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah, where he plays, he's Maxwell, isn't he? Is he Maxwell Hammer? with his silver hammer. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but I kind of get it, and uh, you know, the more I kind of like did research for the book, the more I realised those films didn't do very well for him as well. So I think there's an element they of didn't that. They did do well. The, the jerk, um, the, oh, the, the jerk did w- get, do well, but the critics hated it. Mm. And then pretty much everything he made for the first half of the '80s, although it's they've all dated really well got savaged and no one went to see them and and so i think he's probably still a bit oh that's extraordinary because i guess just the age i am i you sort of grow up with those films and they're always almost like absolute diamonds as mm. well there's mm. like almost like faultless especially the jerk i kind of think he's like one of those like i, I find it virtually faultless and so funny like I, scene to yeah. scene i think the first three quarters of the jerk is just non-stop and then when the plot kicks in <laughs> towards the end. I'm just done. <laughs> but um, I'd seen, uh, I hadn't seen A Man with Two Brains in ages. And then I watched it. And that, that, I never really got 100% on board with that. Because we, when video shops existed, like Steve Martin used to be our Friday night pet, you know, you'd go, mm-hmm. when we were, I was like five or six or seven, you know, it'd always be Steve Martin. Um, uh, and I just love him so much. And, um, uh, and Man with Two Brains, I think, was slightly too grown up for me. And then I watched it again recently. I was just like, every single scene is almost like a self-contained pastiche of a element of a uh, of like a like an old horror film or something. And and um, and it's just quite a complicated film because mm. as a whole film, 
Um, it works much better in in episodic chunks where you go, he's doing a pastiche, his character is a pastiche, like everything about it is pastiching something. I think it's just incredible, really. Uh, but at the time, I found it, you know, a bit difficult to get into. Yeah. So, what films of his does he like? Well, he said to me that he had a very short list. He didn't read the list out. He didn't get a list out. But okay. he said he's got a very short list of films he's made that he thinks is funny. Pink Panther 2 was on there. Um, That's because he's selling it. He's doing what Harrison <laughs> Ford, you know. Oh, I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, you got to know when to sell the car, kid. Yeah, maybe. It just seems weird but, that they would be the one. I, I don't Because also, I think, I always think now I find him frustrating because I think, like, I know he's still funny. And I... And when he seems to, do, I always feel he seems to do a lot of these movies to pay for, you know, his art habit. Seems to be what his what his sort of later career is. Whereas I kind of, when he sort of pulls something out of the bag, and you feel mm. like he's or something that he's also written or has some sort of hand in scripting, you always go, yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, he's still super funny. I think he's hilarious on Twitter. Yeah, he actually yeah. released a book of his tweets. Well, he he released like, uh, there was the Steve Martin interview book as well, wasn't there? Where he did all of his interviews from like Playboy magazine stuff from like the mid seventies. It took it all the way up to uh, the like the last chapter was his tweets, and you go, really? You're finishing on <laughs> some of your favourite tweets? <laughs> it's like when Twitter was quite new, but then he's kind of like really ran with it. Um, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, to backtrack a little bit so um yeah so his book ends with a jerk and he you know when i met him I, I said to him why you know why didn't you why haven't you done a book about all the movies you made in the 80s he went oh no one's interested you know he's crazy no one's interested he's wild, wild and crazy. crazy guy so that was pretty wild <laughs> and crazy but he said you know no one's interested a film got made and then another film got made and i just thought no there's got to be stories behind these films and there were fortunately um otherwise there wouldn't have been much of a book but there's loads of stories, and you kind of see why he might not want some of them to be told. But, oh, um, really? Yeah. Does he really love Three Amigos? He does love Three Amigos. But he loved making that film, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I orchestrated a, for Empire, I orchestrated a Three Amigos reunion, which is maybe the favourite thing I've ever done. And, um, you know, they're, 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 tough, they're, tough to, um, they're tough to pull off, like, cast reunions. Yeah. But that one was so easy. So I sent an email to Steve Martin's manager. And within an hour, I'd not only got a Steve wants to do it, but Steve has called Chevy and Martin and they're up for it as well. So I was like, wow, okay, this is really easy. And then we, um, we ended up getting uh, Free Amigos costumes from uh, some Free Amigos impersonators in Miami that we found. Right. One of whom is Martin Short's nephew. What? So weird, the whole thing. So we got them FedExed across America to LA um, and flew out and got them to put their costumes on. And Chevy couldn't remember how to do the salute. So Steve Martin was teaching him how to do it. Is it online? Um, the, yeah, you, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can read it online. Um, it's on the Empire website. There's photos of them. This was about six, seven years ago. Yeah. So that was fun. That's amazing. And so he obviously loves that one. Mm. Yeah. But I partly think he might, again, like maybe he just enjoys films that he had a nice time at. So I know he and Martin Short are meant to be like best mates, aren't they? And they. Well, they did that Netflix special. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. Because I, I took my dad to see, because my dad is a musician. Uh, amongst other things and um, uh, I took him to see Steve Martin play banjo at the Hammersmith Apollo oh wow and uh, and it, well, I don't think it was selling very well so then they said and he's doing comedy like right at the last <laughs> minute to be gone. so we went to see it and yeah that Netflix special was basically what he did on that, that tour but um, what, yeah, what percent so, of that was comedy and what percent was banjo it was the comedy was introducing the songs 
and then there'd be a couple of lines that he'd do to the to the, to the rest of the musicians. But and he wasn't the singer, which I found like, oh, of course we want a, uh, we want to hear him sing. Oh look, there they are. Oh, they're so. I lo- I love Martin Short. Yeah. I well, and I think Three Amigos controversially is Chevy Chase's best film I agree mm. I can't always tell what Chevy Chase is going for in his films but I don't yes. really necessarily know what the comedy is like in something like um, Caddyshack I'll watch it and I'll go he just seems to me that he's being really arrogant and I can't tell how much of that is Chevy Chase turning up on set like being a dick or yeah. uh, how much of it is a character but in Three Amigos it's such an endearing well rounded uh, support it, not just a supporting it's an ensemble but it, it, um, it, he fits in the puzzle and it's just absolutely mm. great and he steals all of his scenes he's just fantastic yeah it? because right. he's kind of making fun of himself and his image of being this arrogant guy right, there's yeah. a great scene where they're riding on the horses through the desert and the Steve Martin's run out of water, Martin Short's yeah, yeah. got dust, and then they cut to Chevy Chase, and he's just like got so much water, he's like gargling, and then he chucks it away. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. one of my favourite. Lip balm? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, and the songs in it are great. So, because uh, so, Steve Martin wrote The Three, three Amigos, um, but he wrote it with Randy Newman and Lorne Michaels. Lorne Michaels. And uh, so, so, I mean, interesting, because Randy Newman is obviously the musician, but the songs in Three Amigos are great. Oh, it's just... It's just such an amazing, lovely film. Yeah, I, I love it. So many weird bits in it as well, like the singing, singing bush, bush and the invisible the swordsman. <laughs> yeah, the voice of Randy Newman. <laughs> the talking tortoise. It's you know, such a, Ned. It's like, yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, I, I love that one. I don't know quite where it came from. Uh, Steve Martin obviously was the one who like, came up with the idea in the first place. But I, just, uh, it's but I think that was badly reviewed at the time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another one. So well, it can't be that it was the reviews that puts him off. I don't know. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he probably did the reunion. I think he said it in the interview we did afterwards. We got, I got to sit around a table with them all and, and talk to them for half an hour, which was uh, kind of mind-blowing. Um, but yeah, he's, I think that they kind of got back together because they felt the film had been unfairly maligned. So I think it does sting them. Like, even though you look at them and you go, Steve Martin's so successful, made so many films. But I think, you know, something he of puts Of course, is, though, of course. And they're the ones you remember, aren't they? Like, people don't retroactively... That Steve Martin doesn't get to have the nostalgia and enthusiasm everyone who watched it has he the only kind of reviews these people get is what comes out on the first weekend and they probably remember what someone said of it Mm. you know yeah exactly whereas if it was on tv on saturday uh on monday at school everyone would be coming in doing the amigo salute and literally you would rent out a steve martin video on saturday night you'd watch it uh, and then you'd watch it again on Sunday morning and then you'd take it round to your friend's house and watch it again and then return it on Sunday evening. And, um, ah, oh, yeah, incredible. Um, so uh, you also met Chevy Chase? Yeah, so that's the one time I've met Chevy Chase was at the, the Free Amigos thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't remember anything, so it was, it was kind of a running joke in the... They were taking the, they take the piss out of each other, those three guys as well. But, yeah, <laughs> the, the running joke was Chevy Chase just occasionally going, I don't remember any of this. Um, he also didn't wasn't wearing any trousers during the interview, which was quite quite enjoyable. <laughs> it was quite a nice sort of Chevy Chase. Chevy moment. Chase, I often think of. He's quite good at being a leading man. He's got that sort of almost like he's, and I suppose Martin is as well. Actually, Chevy Chase and Steve Martin both have the thing where they're also quite good-looking people, so they can pass for leading men. Steve Martin, especially in the kind of nineteen uh, seventies with the ones. beard, when he's yeah. got like he's yeah. got Cat Stevens hair. Yeah, have you seen the the, the cover of um, Playboy with him on there? No, I may have done. 
it's, <laughs> it's him um yeah it's him like surrounded by women like with his shirt wide open i mean it's uh, he totally buy it as a leading man he's not like they're not unusual looking people like chevy chase passes for leading man as well and i think he's someone who he doesn't the, pass the, for chevy chase is like Kerry grant good looking. yeah yeah that's what i mean he's got that kind of but that's what i mean he sort of passes for hollywood good looking he's like, not yeah. he's not mm. like um they're not obvious kind of mm. comics in that way mm. they can they can pull that off and i actually think chevy chase is probably better in um in those kind of movies like Fletch, where he's it, they're sort of slightly straighter versions of it. And I think that idea of um, Chevy Chase is probably better than he is in the kind of wackier end. Mm. I think oh, I don't know. And uh, Christmas Vacation is... I, I watch Christmas Vacation every Christmas. I love, I love him in that. That's his best vacation as well. Mm. That is the best one. That's, That's the best one. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorted. These are all my favourite films. I just want to just do you like when we're talking about um, Peter Biskind, and it says that he has an obvious kind of. It feels like he's got a real affinity for Hal Ashby films. Mm. Within this list of people, who are the people that you are most enthusiastic about talking about, and who are the ones that you're a bit like? And they were also there. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed writing about all of them. So that's a lame answer. I mean, there, there are definitely ones I'm, I'm more kind of interested in. I find Dan Aykroyd super interesting. He is fascinating. I find him, and I've, I've, you know, I've got to speak to him a bunch of times, and he is just endlessly interesting and, and kind of eccentric. And we'll do a nine-minute monologue about vibrating crystals you can use to cut through to another dimension, which mm. is something we talked about once. But you kind of just hang on and, and go for the ride with him when you talk to him. But just the fact that Blues Brothers came from his brain, mm. Ghostbusters came from his brain. I mean, the man is uh, responsible for like a lot of the really iconic stuff that we got out of that era mm. so um, and I really enjoyed writing about Eddie Murphy he's the one out he's the one um, that's still alive that I haven't got to meet right um, but I loved writing about him and, and the stories are brilliant yeah I mean w- weirdly I watched Bowfinger this week quite randomly and um, I've always considered that to be both of their last great movies yes because uh, every time I watch a film, I'll do a little um, post about it on Twitter. I, I've got to do like a little tweet-sized review of it, and um, so I and I put a poster with it. And the posters when it was coming out were uh, together for the first time: Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, and you go, yeah. And I think it, it felt like quite a big deal at the time. And they're both so fantastic. Eddie Murphy, particularly. Um, when his brother turns up and he plays his brother, I think Kit Ramsey is like a great character, but when his brother turns up, it's just kind of like, oh my God, it's just Eddie Murphy mm. doing like the character comedy that he's really great at, but hasn't, d- well, didn't do loads of in the 90s. Um, yeah, I really love. Yeah. I think even then people. it felt like a bit of a comeback for them both as well. Yeah. Like a bit like, here they are, yeah. they're back, they're doing it. And even at that point, which would be what, 95-ish? Bowfinger. Yeah, I think it was like ninety nine. Yeah, I was it, was, it was like it was, that. Yeah, it was. It was a bit later. I think it was. I think it was ninety nine. I think it was mm. part of the uh, great year of ninety nine. Right. So it was also at a point where both of them were probably doing films that were probably less less than their talents. Yeah. And it really did feel like a, a real uh, a bit of a comeback. Where does your book yeah. go up to? It goes up to Groundhog Day. Right, okay. Um, so it goes up to 93, 94. Did you talk about the making of Groundhog Day? Yeah. That's really fascinating, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I finish with a kind of... The final chapter is uh, about nothing, but it finishes basically, you know, I, you had to 
pick an endpoint for each of them. So it's uh, Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase end on a kind of a low point, uh, nothing but trouble, which Dan Aykroyd wrote and directed, which yeah. was a big disaster. I've watched a long documentary about that. Oh my goodness! It's a weird film. It's such a weird. It's an unpleasant film. It's it's icky. Yeah, you don't feel good watching it. Have you ever seen the film Out on a Limb? With Matthew Broderick. Oh no, but I have. I saw it in the video store when I was a kid. It's kind of uh, we talked about that last week. It's like nothing but trouble. It's the same sort of th- has the same sort of feeling like that. It's like this madcap comedy, but at, when you're watching it, it feels like you've got a fever. Mm. Uh, it's, the yeah. prosthetics are quite yeah. Well, also Dan Aykroyd's nose is a penis. <laughs> like he has this he has this dick nose, and in some scenes, this kind of like. They, they, it changes from shot to shot, but in some scenes he's got a little yeah. uh, pee hole. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's just fucking insane. Well, um, yeah, one of my favourite stories. I, I talked to a guy called Bob Crane, who was John Candy's business partner, mm. and John Candy obviously plays a couple of characters in, in Nothing But Trouble. But um, yeah, he told me that Chevy Chase. It wasn't a happy set because um, Dan Aykroyd was not only under all these horrible prosthetics, but trying to direct at the same time, mm. and it was just kind of carnage. But Chevy Chase would sort of let loose with a fart when he wasn't happy when things were running late so he would just do a loud fart on set so that was that was going on as well um but so that was kind of dan Aykroyd. uh that was where i left and i left chevy chase with his chat show which was obviously a kind of uh, i don't know if you guys have seen any oh yeah well the bit when him and uh, goldie horn dance together in celebration of her son's birthday for like three minutes there on <laughs> stage, it's just the most cringiest thing it's like oh no this isn't telly it's just, it was awful, but um, yeah. And then, uh, and then for Bill Murray, you know, uh, wanted to end the book on a bit of a high note, and that was Groundhog Day, which was came out amazingly. And I think it's like a transition from those like really broad comedies these guys were doing to something more philosophical. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously went on to do lots of dramas and yeah. work with great directors. But um, yeah, that that was a fun movie to write about because it was really unhappy. Um, he was. Well, he was really unhappy. He wasn't talking to Harold Ramis, who was directing it. Yeah. Do you do? Do you write about Harold Ramis? A little bit, yeah. He comes up obviously in quite a bit yeah. Ghostbusters, and I mean, it's sad because they started out as really close friends, and Bill Murray insisted that he um, Harold Ramis star in Stripes with him because he mm. wanted to do it with a friend, um, and then they fell out to the point where they weren't speaking, and they and that lasted all the way to and that sort of I don't know when it began, but yeah, definitely on Groundhog Day. He, they weren't communicating at all. Well, is it more that Harold Ramis wanted to make uh, a, a broader comedy and Bill Murray wanted it to be more philosophical yeah. and existential? And then it was the two of their opinions basically fighting each other yeah, and exactly. you end up with the film that you got. And I mm. just think that it's, I would say that that is it's Bill Murray's best film and I would say that is one of the... Uh, greatest comedies mm. in the like the last mm. thirty years. It's, is it over thirty years now? No, it's just it's almost yeah. thirty years. Ninety three was it? Ninety three. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, that's an incredible. I wonder film, if though. they're happy with the finished result. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, well, Bill Murray skipped the premiere, so he didn't watch oh. the film for a long. It was weird because he got really involved. Uh, you know, usually he would turn up on set in the eighties and not having read the script and just kind of improvise his way but with Groundhog Day it was the opposite like he actually did an unauthorised rewrite he took the script away and no one knew he was doing it but he rewrote it and turned up like a couple of weeks before and they'd already built the sets and so and he, he was really saying, this is the film we make so he was like let's do this and so yeah you're absolutely right like the, the back and forth was between Ramis and Murray's different version of the film which mm. came out really well the mix I think it's incredible um, it's because in- it's, it's funny 
and it makes you think and mm. it says something about life and humanity and it's, mm. it's incredible I, I saw it at the Prince Charles Cinema last year on the big screen I'd never seen it on the big screen before and I got quite teary at the end like it's, mm. it really I think is it emotional is. I think it's that kind of film I mean I remember I think it was quite an emotional film because I once did, watched it one year during the Edinburgh Festival where everything's very near the surface so you do go oh god oh, it doesn't take much to tip no it really me. doesn't but like I think it is I think it's a real I think it really does say a lot about the way you sort of live your life and but also he made Scrooged and it's kind of like Scrooge is kind of like uh, it's, it doesn't quite work, and it's a bit. It's very like eighties and excessive, and like mm. uh, I think I, I really love it. It's the same arc. It's, do you know yes, what I mean? of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so you see, like with Groundhog Day, yeah. it's, it's basically it's the it's the Christmas Carol arc, but yeah. not set at Christmas. Well, it's kind of the best story, a Christmas Carol, isn't it? That's why. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life is a sort of weird remake of it as well, where it's like, but what if it wasn't? Mm. What if it's not the guy who's a dickhead? Mm. <laughs> kind of, mm. it's just a reworking of that same idea, isn't it? You've got this very basic kind of story thing that just keeps getting remade and remade various yeah. times. Scrooged was another unhappy shoe, uh, sort of a bit of a running theme with Bill Murray films that he was quite difficult on a lot of them, despite having this kind of reputation as being this lovable kind of rogue. Mm. That Is that because be- he was going for something? Was he always like reaching for something? You think? Yeah, I think so. He always wanted to kind of be a dramatic actor. Like mm. right from the beginning, he really didn't want to make kind of just pure comedies. So yeah. he did he did his film where he played Huntress Thompson really early <laughs> oh, on. Yeah, and he, yeah. You know, he did his movie Somerset Maugham film, and and so he yeah, I don't I think he definitely always wanted to be a dramatic guy. Yeah. But also, I think that that's a good thing. Yes, I, yeah. don't, I don't think you have to be likable in order to. I think that there's a likable way of doing things, but you turn up on set and you're making a comedy and you are a comedian, for instance, and you have a distinct style of comedy and other people are dictating to you how you perform. Yes. You have to actually stick up for yourself and say, no, this is, uh, and this is what I consider good and it's my name on the title and it's my face on the poster. Mm. And, you know, and so that can often lead to, I'm not talking from personal experience, that can often lead to... Uh, difficult times on set and then when you're not on set you can be the the normal person you Mm. are but when you're at work you have to fight your corner no you're right and from the sort of generation me and Nick are even of people that we know have done sort of TV things and often you go they're so funny as live comedians but they've been put in a sort of TV project that they've had no real control over and you go I mean if you saw that's that's everyone's introduction to those people on TV and they've sort of killed it for them because now it's just like they're in a not very funny TV show mm. and it's like why don't they just let them do what they would do on stage because that would be the best way to represent them yeah. and I, I always think that so I think they are right to stick up for themselves yeah, uh, and to try and get something of what they, they are on screen that yeah. is, that is a, I would say that is 100% of what's happened with Bill Murray in his working environment mm. and also yeah he's striving for something else but all, a, a lot of the time you know give and take if you're both pulling in different directions and then the compromises that you make in order to get things I think Groundhog Day is an absolutely amazing example of that yeah. it's a perfect film yeah. I would say now what you said a minute ago it makes you think about the way you live your life because I yeah. remember coming out of the screening and going kind of resolving to be a better human being and it's like how many yeah. comedies make you want, genuinely want to do that and it's about doing this it's people that have that thing about you know doing the same job every day and going you don't have to you can change at any point you can change your life and do something else and it's very like what a great way like what a great idea they show the you that in the yeah. film yeah. whereas at Scrooge he says it directly to the camera he's yes. like saying it's not too late to change <laughs> he does that whole monologue and it's just like the 
whole of Groundhog Day is basically that monologue. Yes, it's yeah. Of, it's it's yeah, incredible. Um, you obviously really loved writing about Eddie Murphy. Mm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think he was just the opposite of, well, totally the opposite of Bill Murray, but the opposite of a lot of these guys. You know, Bill Murray wasn't sure he wanted to be famous. He wasn't sure he wanted to do comedy. And Eddie Murphy, on the other hand, was like, that's exactly what I want to do, and I'm going to be famous, and I'm going to be rich. And he would go around literally mm-hmm. telling everyone that. And I think just the pure ambition of him and yes. just the relentlessness of him. And he was like going to make it happen. And doing this when he'll be like, what, late teens, early 20s? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. that sort of yeah. that age as yeah. well. What was his Saturday Night Live years? It was, it, was, it was later, wasn't it? It was like 81. So, yeah, he was sort of five or six years in. Um, you know, they'd got rid of the original uh, cast. They brought in this new cast. He weren't particularly good. Um, and the show probably would yeah Christopher Guest Harry Shearer um, to be honest I didn't watch all of that stuff I watched a lot of the you know the early stuff but um, even the early stuff is quite hard it's it's quite hit and miss it's quite hit and miss the thing about comedy is it's it's hard to replicate you know to know what's funny or what's not but also um, what was funny then is especially on like a live weekly you get uh, I used to get those uh, best of John Belushi and best of Steve Martin uh, best of Dan Aykroyd videos DVDs that they did and a lot of them would be fucking difficult to get through (laughs) um yeah. yeah, really hit and miss. Yeah, I think Steve Martin's stuff has aged the best. You know, when he would come on as host and he'd do a monologue, still really funny. Absolutely incredible. Well, um, they do. They, I've got a box set of uh, all of his TV specials that he's done. So there's like him at the Troubadour was like when he did like the arrow through the head act, and so then it's got like loads. He did one about commercials and just like, have you seen those? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, so. It's yeah. a really lovely. I've got a re- anyway. It's a really lovely box set that comes with a little booklet, and it's one of my pride possessions. It's just it's got every every single TV. And Steve Martin was, yeah, he was just, he was the real deal. He is the real deal. I mean, he does. He did in terms of comedy, he did everything amazingly. Yeah, but no, Eddie. I mean, Eddie Murphy. He just kept ringing Saturday Night Live, and again and again and again, and eventually they let him on. And it was just like he wasn't going to accept not no. being rich and famous. Yeah. But his story is really interesting. But that was his, that was his way of doing it. Yeah. Mm. Saturday Night Live. This and, is how you do it. And he saved the show. I think I genuinely don't think that show would have survived. Yeah. Because uh, it was about to be kind of cancelled. It was the ratings were terrible. And if yeah, if you watch those episodes, it's just him who's ama- he comes on. He's mm. amazing. And when he's off screen, it's kind of not yeah. watchable really. You see, like for someone like uh, he is the first of the kind of actually no, I suppose. I suppose Martin is kind of a rock star comedian in terms of venues, but Eddie Murphy's stand-up persona is big and rock starish and bombastic. Whereas Steve Martin, even though he's playing massive venues, is still coming out and being the idiot. Mm. Whereas Eddie Murphy's doing something completely different. And you look at that live, like something like Raw, and you compare it to the what's the um, Richard Pryor live movie from um, from the sort of end of the seventies. Yeah. And in that, it's a tight, it's a much smaller theatre. He comes on while people are still getting their drinks Sitting and down. making their way to that. Yeah. And it just, it's no fanfare to it at all. And it feels like, that feels like a completely different type of stand-up to what Eddie Murphy's doing. And Eddie Murphy's much more doing what you kind of think of as sort of quite modern stand-up in Britain where everything is now kind of big. Yeah. And he comes out and says, I'm Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I've got like... I've, like, I'm wearing a suit which everyone's going to remember but, but it is it's all like it's all appearance and well, it's sort of the culmination of all of that isn't it it's like uh, if, if Richard Pryor was kind of like a quintessential 70s comedian and mm. also he was making like the Richard Pryor uh, 
concert movies. Mm. So you'd go to the cinema and see yeah. these concert movies. And then um, Steve Martin was doing the biggest arenas on the planet, and that's why he wore the white suit, so people would see him from that. I don't know how, like, the arrow through the head works when you sat at the yeah. back <laughs> of, like, the O2 arena without screens. But, like... Yeah. And then you've got Eddie Murphy, and it's kind of like this isn't the 70s, this is the 80s, it's excessive. He's talking about uh, money and fame, and and he's doing impressions of, like, uh, you know, he's doing impressions of Richard Pryor, but Mr. T and Bill Cosby and, like, all of, like, the icons, and it's all about... um, uh, it's all about like the, the, even the leather jacket and the leather trousers and everything. Yeah, it's but it's like a yeah, it's like it, it, it's almost like a grotesque eighties. What am I exaggeration yes, yeah, of what yeah. stand up comedy is? Yeah, you yeah. watch it now and like it's appalling. Some of the stuff he says, mm. uh, yeah. but it's a lot of it's really funny still. Yeah, well, he was obsessed with Elvis Presley, and I think mm. he just wanted to be comedy to Elvis. Um, right, that so makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. So he would sit in his dressing room at Saturday Night Live, watching Elvis concerts on on TV over and over again, and like literally studying it. And so that totally comes across in the concert stuff. But yeah, the, just the the ambition and the, the kind of the the pumped up ego. There's a quote in the book from him. Uh, at the beginning of it, it's like 1983, and he says, "When you think of the 60s, you think of the Beatles. When you think of the 80s, I want everyone to think of Eddie Murphy." And it's just mm. like, who says that? But they sort of do. Yeah, and they yeah. Did, and he pulled it off, which yes. is which is nuts. He was so huge. He was, you know, what other comedian has a massive entourage and you know medallions and and unlike Steve, Steve Martin was one thing on stage and the absolute opposite off stage. Mm. Eddie Murphy came off stage and he was exactly that guy. Yeah, mm. you know, with his mansion and his parties and. He had a driveway in the shape of a nine because it was his lucky number. <laughs> but it was just like, <laughs> just such an oversized kind of character. Did you get close to meeting him? No, I mean, he, he's kind of, he doesn't really do interviews um, at all. I tried, obviously. Um, but he's yeah, a recluse, he, as he a, would he's, say. He's, he's, yeah, he's a recluse. <laughs> but that's, that's interesting then that he's gone from that to this, right? You would think that the attention is something that mm. he'd be really into. Also, it feels mm. like Eddie Murphy's one of those people that he hasn't yet been reinvented mm. and yet it feels like everyone wants to it feels like you always hear rumours of things Eddie Murphy's doing you go yeah, that'd be amazing everyone's desperate for him to do yeah. something good that's it I think um, everyone like the, the hunger for that is like everyone wants to take a day it's weird because he, he made films uh, he, he still makes films does he or he's made films up until quite recently like A Thousand Words and Probably, stuff yeah. like that uh, which are awful uh, and I imagine that I think, or imagine this mm. was one, and they're, they're awful. Uh, and it's kind of like you go, oh, that's weird. Um, and like his last one where he was meant to have actually turned up for work was like Tower Heist. And it's kind of like, yeah, but it wasn't a great movie. Mm. Um, mm. And, it, and then he did like the reunion, didn't he? He didn't do the Saturday Night Live reunion for ages because of the David Spade joke on Saturday Night Live. And, um, and so... I don't know, but he's obviously. But people just want him to. I'm desperate to see him do something. He was going to host the Oscars. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And that would that would have been incredible. I think. I think yeah. There's um, all these like weird missed opportunities where it feels like, and it, and actually, what's interesting is this sort of coming to America sequel. Although I'm slightly worried about. Are they it, making it? Yeah. Apparently, it starts shooting in Atlanta like very soon. Like Who's next month or two. It? It's Definitely. not Landis, is it? It's not. They won't be Landis. I don't think. I mean, that that was a really fun 
movie to write about they hate you know they really fell out in a massive way what, John Landis? to the point where Eddie Murphy got him in a chokehold Landis had to you know to punch, try and punch him in the balls to get free how many films did they make they made three because they made another one after coming to yeah America. I was going to say they did the Beverly Hills Cop oh, 3 so, they, so they, they did Trading Places why the fuck did he do Beverly Hills Cop 3 yeah well, John, think- I, I talked to John Landis for the book and he said he got the call from the head of Paramount saying um, Eddie Murphy wants you to do uh, wants you to do Beverly Hills Cop 3 and he said who's playing Eddie Murphy he <laughs> <laughs> so, so couldn't believe after like made serious serious because <laughs> Eddie Murphy was in in the press slagging off John Landis for years afterwards like wasn't mincing his words you know but maybe he's just aware that those films for him are yeah. like well that's that's yeah but they went from Tony Scott to John Landis yes and yeah. like Beverly Hills Cop 2 is very much an action movie yeah, yeah. emphasis on action with a bit of comedy whereas Beverly Hills Cop 3 is kind of like the action is I mean, well, there was yeah. I, I, talk, I really liked it I, yeah. when it first came out. So I talked to John Landis and the writer Stephen E. Souza, who did Die Hard, oh, yeah. um, and wrote Beverly Hills Cop Three, and they both said that uh, a memo was issued by Eddie Murphy's brother during the shoot saying this is no longer a comedy, and he decided he didn't want to do a comedy, and so it had to, they had to like literally cross out punchlines of jokes and yeah, and yeah, so kind of defanged the movie. I don't know how Crazy. great it Why would have would been, you do that? but um, he just decided he wanted to be like an action. But guy. then he did Metro. Which is kind of like Beverly Hills Cop 4 in a way. Mm. It's a weird film. Mm. No, it's not a weird film. It's a fine film. And I don't mean that in a... It's a fine film. <laughs> she was a fine lady. <laughs> I had a message this morning from former fan clubber Hayley Campbell who said, ask him why he upset Jackie Chan. <laughs> Does she mean why or how? Well, um, she's written why. So yeah. why did you do it? Did you hate Jackie Chan? No, but there, there, was a, there was a tweet going around a couple of weeks ago saying, have you ever uh, made a celebrity angry or something like that? And so I, I tweeted, I've been yelled at by two uh, movie stars, uh, Gary Busey and um, Jackie Chan. I imagine Gary Busey's easily done. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was, Gary Busey was, I got to go to his house in Malibu. And he, he's got all these props from his... I'm kind of fascinated by BC. I don't know if you guys yeah, are sure. of course. interested. Everyone is. But so, yeah, I got to go to his house, and he's got, he, he's got his garage uh, where he's got all these props from his movies. He's got posters for his movies all over the house. And uh, he's got a box marked Gary's Childhood, but, <laughs> which I didn't look into. But um, one of the things he had was the surfboard from the Big Wednesday. So we, we, I was there for photographer for Empire, and we said, Gary, can we, can we get a shot of you of course, holding the surfboard? And uh, he said... He said something. I think it was yes. He was calling us um, corn dog and butt plug. Those are the names he gave us. Anyway, we oh, dropped his guy. surfboard on the driveway, and he, he screamed a primal <laughs> scream of rage. Um, Jackie Chan, I upset in uh, Shanghai because he was in a bad mood anyway. I can't imagine that. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit. I mean, it was it was fine in the end, but I got there. He was living in a in a hotel, prepping his next movie. What was that? Um, oh gosh, I can't remember. Might be a- a clue as to why he was in such a bad mood. <laughs> Something was going going on with with the prep and um, he what was year in, was he this? Was in a slight, yeah, this was twenty twenty ten off twenty ten. Yeah, look up Jackie Chan in two thousand and eleven. <laughs> it was a Chinese film. Anyway, he was in a bit of a bit of a testy mood, and then we went down and had dinner in the in the restaurant of the hotel, and he went quite quiet. And I thought, oh, it's all right. I'm going to do some small talk. It wasn't just you and him having dinner. It was uh, the two of us, and then his assistant. Um, and uh, somebody who'd flown out from England, like a PR. Do you find that quite awkward? It doesn't happen a lot, having dinner with Jackie Chan, and it was like midnight, it was super late, 
And um, so anyway, so I thought I'll uh, I'll I'll drop in some some classic small talk, <laughs> get him talking. Uh, he didn't like the small talk, so he, he yelled at me. And um, but it was cool because the next day he was super nice and he drove me around Shanghai in his car, listening to Lionel Richie music. And um, did you shout at him and say, <laughs> "Not Lionel Richie"? <laughs> I didn't shout at him, but um, he he carries around. I don't know if he still does it, but at the time he carries around two toy pandas right. uh, from Hamleys. And he has somebody who carries them around for him, and he let me carry them around the next day. So, oh, that's like nice. A, What's that about? <laughs> that's like uh, Tug Speedman at the beginning of uh, uh, Tropic Thunder. So that's yeah. I don't know if that answers Haley's question. That's weird. We don't. We're still not sure why he why you upset him. Well, I asked him uh, some questions about London, and uh, no, but this is how. Oh, how? Mm. Yeah, why? Why did you do oh, it? Oh, why did I do it? Why, I wasn't trying to. It was inadvertent. Sounds like you had a bit of an nobody axe to grind. Make, nobody You're makes Jackie Chan angry. You're listening to Radio. It's 152. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, so you asked him about London. What, have you ever been to London? Well, he, he, he said the pandas, had, he'd got the pandas in Hamleys. And so I asked him a few questions about, you know, his time and there. And he kicks off. Mm. <laughs> well, literally. <laughs> and you don't want Jackie Chan to kick off. He'll take your fucking head off. We're about time for the game, aren't we? We're about time for the game, but I feel like um, I'm, I'm, we haven't really scratched the surface. No, um, we don't need to do the game. Uh, you did, you, so you interviewed John Landis. Mm-hmm. It's lovely, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I love. He's John a talker. Landis. Oh yeah, I seen him do a talk at the BFI, and he was great. Uh, got his book signed, but I didn't get his book signed by him. I just got one of the old ones that. Uh, a signed copy <laughs> months later that I'm being sold. <laughs> um, that story really went downhill. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, started so promising. I'm not interested in meeting them, though, is the thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, you obviously didn't meet John Belushi. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, oh, so, right, I'm really desperate to read this book now. Um, and also, around this time, talking about Richard Pryor, so they would have been making films contemporaneously with... Contemporaneously? I know. Wow. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, at the same time as your sort of Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor movies, are they covered in here? I mean, Richard Pryor pops up, but um, yeah, I had to kind of focus on certain people. And right. It, this was the group. This was like the collective yeah. that kind of ended up working together and falling out together. And, um, you know, I just I really enjoyed the weird combinations of them that you get in different films. Um, mm-hmm. But no, uh, Richard Pryor kind of makes appearances. Obviously, um, Brewster's Millions is in mm, there because of, of John, course, Candy. John Candy. They didn't get on. Do you talk Those about two? John Candy? Oh yeah, John Candy's a big, uh, big character. In but it. that's weird because John Candy's an actor rather than a comedian, right? Or was mm. he a comedian? He was a comedian. Did he do stand up? Uh, he did SCTV, which was like the Canadian, Canadian Saturday Night Live. Saturday so Night that's Night. where he started. So yeah, he was a, he was a full on comedian. Although he wanted to, he did JFK and wanted to do more dramatic course, stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they didn't like Richard Pryor and John Candy didn't like didn't get on. It was more Richard Pryor didn't like John Candy. But Richard Pryor didn't eventually get on with Gene Wilder either, did they? they when they did too. Stir Crazy, uh, Richard Pryor kept himself... Well, yeah, it was sad. Anyway. Yeah, Eddie Murphy called Richard Pryor Yoda. That was his nickname for him. And Richard Pryor called Eddie Murphy mean. Right. He didn't approve of his stand-up comedy. He says... Uh, Eddie Murphy says that he's the new Richard Pryor. He said, I'd never do the jokes that he does. Oh, yeah. It was like... But then they did... Har- do you talk about Harlem Nights? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh God, I watched that recently, and when I say recently, two years ago, but it's still etched <laughs> in my fucking. It's not. It's the problem. Oh. Anyway, we got to play the game. Okay. Um, right. So this is a game. 
called. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Nerf. It's called Better or Worse, and I'm going to give you a list of people, and you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before, based entirely on my opinion. Okay. So starting off with Ed Sheeran, is James McAvoy better or worse than Ed Sheeran? Better. Um, it's, it is better. Mm. Uh, 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 is James Corden better or worse than James McAvoy? Worse. Is t- clearly worse. Is Keep rattle through it, come is on. Is Nicole Kidman better or worse than better. James Corden? Better. Better, better yeah. Better. Is Michael Keaton better or worse oh, than Nicole Kidman? High cards and they were both high started cards. in my life. Tough, tough. That's it's really tough. tough. That's tough. Uh, Nicole Kidman hasn't played so Batman, so I'm going to say uh, Michael Keaton's better. Keaton is better. Yeah, but Nicole Kidman was in Batman Forever. She was. Annie Hopkins better or worse than Michael Keaton? Better. I would say better. I think Annie Hopkins is worse than Keaton. What the fuck are you talking about? Jack Palance, better or worse than Anthony Hopkins? Worse. I think probably worse, yeah. Probably worse. Richard, Richard Pryor, hell. better or worse than Jack Palance? Better. Gene Wilder, better or worse than Richard Pryor? <laughs> worse. Uh, oh, I'm going to say better because I love him as Willy I Wonka. I think better. Really? I love Jim Wilder. Joan Crawford, better or worse than Jim Wilder? Worse. Worse, yeah. yeah. Joan Crawford, better. Well. Are there definitive answers for this? Well, it's only based on my own opinion. So that is eight. You got eight. Well done. You got eight. You, Great. Um, uh, this is a new year. This um, is season two. So you uh, are better than our previous guest, Lloyd Griffith. Uh, so well done. Thank he you had seven. Down. You got eight, uh, and yeah, yeah. It's a great honour. Well, do you know what? It is, most people average about a six or a seven. So it's uh, a pretty, it's a pretty good score. Happy. happy it also that. means nothing whatsoever. It does. What are you, what are you talking about? There's a Based prize. Entirely. There's a prize at the end of this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we are going to play. Uh, okay. Thank you so much for coming in. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having uh, me. Your absolutely film brilliant. is called your Wild book. and Crazy Guys. Uh, your film, your book is called Wild and Crazy Guys. Uh, it is absolutely uh, incredible uh, sounding. <laughs> I haven't read it yet. I can't <laughs> can't condone uh, the content of it, but uh, the cover is a real blast. Um, <laughs> You'd like the yellow. This is Lovely exactly yellow. this is exactly my sort of book. Um, thank oh. you very much for joining yeah. us. That's been fun. Uh, and uh, we're going to play your favourite song now, Sweet Home. Chicago from the Blues Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Why did that? You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.